No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. Let's go. And good evening, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you are. It's Friday night here on the Daily Boogie Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, your recommended drink, cheap box wine, your recommended snack, bland brand, no-name crackers. This is the official wine and crackers broadcast here on a Friday night with your host, Boogie Bumper, hopefully for the next couple of hours or so. We'll see how we go. Thank you for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you once again. Where the hell am I? Why am I not here? (laughs) Hello. Hey there, everyone. Well, isn't this fun? (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Like I said, it's an absolute pleasure. So much to get through, so little time. And a very special night tonight because we're going to have one of uh, Twitter's most hated personalities, one of Periscope's most hated personalities. Everybody hates him, so that's why he has to be on this show tonight. Of course, I'm speaking about uh, everybody's favourite contrarian, Lucifer Sam. (laughs) Should be fucking fun. Should be fun. Um, The OG Periscope listeners will remember Lucifer Sam from the various chat rooms. Uh, You might still see him around if he hasn't been banned yet. (laughs) Should be good. Lucifer Sam's been around for a while, so... Uh, looking forward to introducing him to you in voice form instead of just text form. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It is Friday night. Uh, I want to wish uh, my American brothers and sisters a happy birthday. A lot of birthdays this week. We had Canada Day earlier in the week where I suspect we have sex with sea lions or Eskimos and drink maple syrup. I, I, don't, I still don't know what you do on Canada Day. I haven't figured it out yet. I watched uh, the Great Irrational Times' special Canada Day broadcast and I was none the wiser. In fact, I was more fucking confused after that was over. So I don't know. (laughs) RM John's in the chat. We hate Sam. You haven't even heard the guy speak yet. Maybe you'll like him a little more if you hear him speak. I know that, you know, this is hard to grasp for some people, but in text form, it is very different than in speaking form. I've spoken to the guy offline on the phone. And it's very, it's a very different impression than what you get in just the 140 characters that you're allowed on Twitter. So, but anyway, we'll let the guy speak for himself and see what you think. Um, but yeah, because everybody hates him, that's why I liked him on the show. <laughs> just to annoy everybody, if nothing else. Just kidding. Hey, Arnold Nicotina. Thank you for the diamond. I've caught the boogie. What do? Sad face. Well, don't be sad, man. I'm going to be happy tonight got lots of stuff to get through so a big happy birthday to american brothers and sisters before we get too far down the road tonight let's honor your birthday in the way that we like to here on this program in the only way like giving it the appropriate level of respect ladies and gentlemen i present to you live from mount crushmore crushmore puss crushmore indigenous people crushmore crushmore blacks crush whatever the hell you want on this special birthday of yours (laughs) the new york times doing what the new york times does how Mount Rushmore became Mount Rushmore. You know what? We haven't played one of these for a while. Let's do one of these. Now you face the Shredder. Let's shred this shit. Time for the Shredder, ladies and gentlemen. The South Dakota landmark has drawn criticism over the land it occupies. 
the main sculptor behind it and the legacies of the men it memorialises. And just a fun little uh, useless anecdote for you. I once won a pub trivia competition on the question of, here in Australia, on the question of who are the people on Mount Rushmore. And I said, uh, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Jefferson and Roosevelt. And I said Roosevelt and still won because I couldn't remember at the time which Roosevelt we were talking about. (laughs) But they didn't ask for a first name. So poor old Roosevelt. That's all right. Just a last name will do. That's why he's in the back there behind the other three, because he's not that important. Fuck him. This year, for the first time in more than a decade, there will be a major fireworks display to commemorate Independence Day at Mount Rushmore National Memorial. Everybody loves fireworks. Everybody loves fireworks. The sculpture features the faces of four American presidents, Washington, Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, so Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt, thank you very much, and Lincoln, carved into a granite slope over the Black Hills of South Dakota. In the eight decades since the carving was completed, it has never been without controversy. People have always been upset about it. People hate it. <laughs> so when President Trump announced in May, this is the, <clears throat> I I suspect that there's always been people complaining about it on some level, but this is the first time that I can remember wall-to-wall corporate media coverage of the outrage, supposed outrage of Mount Rushmore. Am I wrong? Has there been previous presidents who have, um, you know, had to answer questions, field questions about, you know, don't you care about the oppression of Mount Rushmore? Don't you care about how racist and bigoted it is? I can't remember that ever happening before. But maybe people have been upset for a long time. Who knows? So when President Trump announced in May that he would attend the festivities there, it invited even more scrutiny of the monument's history. The leaders it celebrates, the sculptor who created it, and the land it towers over. Native Americans have long criticised the sculpture, in part because it was built on what had been Indigenous land. And more recently, amid nationwide movement against racism that has toppled... Why don't we complain about the casinos being built, being built on Indigenous land? Can anybody answer that? I guarantee you, if I was to open a Mount Rushmore casino, that nobody would fucking complain. Mount Rushmore Casino. Get free get free $10 worth of chips and a bag of maize if you stay at our hotel. Nobody would care. Oh, it's sacred land. Yep. Let's put the blackjack tables here. We'll put the roulette table over here. <laughs> Maybe all we have to do is stick uh, a poker table on top of George Washington's head and then we can get around this fucking outrage, right? Let's have a meat raffle on the top of Mount Rushmore every single day, and then it won't be offensive anymore. Then it'll be a casino, then everybody wins. Well, the house always wins, but you know what I mean. Uh, The sculptor's faces, ladies and gentlemen. During the 1920s, a historian in South Dakota, Doanne Robinson, was mulling over ideas for a monument that would draw tourists to his state. Mr. Robinson, here's to you, Mr. Robinson. Uh, originally envisaged a sculpture memorialising figures of the American West, such as the explorers Lewis and Clark or the Oglala Lakota leader Red Cloud. But the sculpture, or who was ultimately chosen for the project, Gutson Borglum. <laughs> Fucking put that on a business card. Settled on a concept to pay tribute to four former commanders-in-chief. He picked four presidents he thought represented major accomplishments in the American story. 
Before he was recruited to create Mount Rushmore, Mr. Borglum had been involved with another project, an enormous bas relief at Stone Mountain in Georgia that memorialized Confederate leaders. Don, don, don. You mean this guy sculptured Confederate leaders before Mount Rushmore? <gasps> Dare this artist do some art that we don't like. Fuck him. He must be a historical racist. Obviously. After the sculpting of the Black Hills Monument began in 1927, a women's rights advocate named Rose Arnold Powell fought to include a likeness of the suffragist Susan B. Anthony. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. I'm sure Susan B. Anthony being up there next to Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and Teddy Ruse would just drag the uh, audience in, would drag the ticket buyers in the gate. Huh? Who are you here for, Susan? Big fan of Suze. Joey and G in the chat. Oh, the shame of it all. Yes. I hope you're feeling shame and guilt. Shame, guilt, hatred, self-loathing. All of those wonderful emotions that we call progress. She enlisted the help of First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt, who wrote to Mr. Borglum in support of the idea in 1936. He opposed it. Oh, he must hate women as well. And a congressional bill to add Anthony's face stalled after the House Appropriations Committee said funding would be limited to the work already in progress. Work on the massive monument was arduous, spanning 14 years of dynamite and jackhammering the project slogged on through the Great Depression and the beginning of World War II, creating jobs. Though the difficulties that forced builders to destroy an early attempt at Jefferson's face and start again, and though the death of Mr. Borglum, whose work was taken up by his son, Lincoln. There they are, working, chipping away at Thomas J. Tommy J. An early plan to carve the presidents down to their waists was scrapped, and the project was finished in 1941, just in time for the end of World War II. As more highways were built and the road tripping became a national pastime, Mount Rushmore cemented its place as a must-see destination, a grandiose piece of Americana covering two square miles of granite and attracting more than two million tourists annually, annually ladies and gentlemen. Mount Rushmore is built on land that belonged to the Lakota tribe. Wherever you go to connect to God, that's what the Black Hills are to the Lakota, said Nick Tilson, a member of the Oglala tribe and president of the NDN Collective, an indigenous activist group. Prospectors seized the land during the gold rush in the 1870s, violating the Fort Laramie Treaty of 1868. We're going all the way back to 1868 now. Gee, can you just imagine if the average citizen had the power to enforce government treaties and government promises going back 150 fucking years? Wouldn't that be fun? Imagine if we could turn around to our government and say, you need to enforce the rules that you had back in 1860. Various rules about, you know, say, taxation or immigration. <laughs> oh, oh, what a glorious day. But it seems that we only want to enforce various rules from 1860 that we agree with. And we want to call other ones that we disagree with, ah, historical bigotry or something like that. It seems to the cynical mind. It would seem to the bigot. That's that's something a Nazi would say, of course. Not not here on this show. Here on this show, we endorse uh, the creation. We we endorse history officially starting in 1965, and everything before then was awful. 
of course. But each of these titans of American history has a complicated legacy. Washington and Jefferson were slaveholders. Roosevelt actively sought to Christianize and uproot Native Americans. Holy shit! Winning TV with a diamond. Thank you. Follow Winning TV. DLive.tv slash Winning TV. Would be worth the laugh to see protesters to try and pull these statues down. I've already said I want to see that. I want to see people in black hoodies with black face masks repelling down George Washington's face and hacking at his nose like a drunken a drunken Egyptian on the face of the Sphinx. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just with a ball-peen hammer <laughs> that you tuck away in your backpack. Let's see them all over Mount Rushmore, clamoring over it like ants to a dropped candy bar. It would be fucking amazing, don't you think? I can't wait for that to happen. I want it to happen Please, God, let it happen. I don't go so far as to think that the only good Indian is the dead Indian, but I believe nine out of ten are, Roosevelt said in an 1886 speech. Base Teddy Roosevelt. And I shouldn't like to inquire too closely into the case of the tenth. And although Lincoln was behind the Emancipation Proclamation, a move that some have characterized as reluctant and late, he has been criticised for his response to the so-called Minnesota uprising in which more than 300 Native Americans were sentenced to death by military court after being accused of attacking white settlers in 1862. Lincoln said he found a lack of evidence in most of the cases and reduced the number of condemned to 38 who were hanged in what was thought to be the largest mass execution in US history. So there's a bit of a background for you from Mount Crushmore, ladies and gentlemen. But don't worry. Because apparently later on tonight, Mr. Mr. President Donald Trump is going to be giving a speech in front of Mount Rushmore. And if we can't have, if we can't, you know, use the historical aspects of Mount Rushmore to get people outraged, what about some current day things? What's happening in the current day? Can we go to Mount Splashmore? Can we go to Mount Splashmore? Can we go to Mount Splashmore? Let us celebrate our new arrangement with the adding of chocolate to milk. Jim N-word in the chat. <laughs> so, how about something current? People don't care about history. You know what? It's not right. I don't agree with it. But what happened over 150 years ago, man, people don't give a fuck anymore. It's kind of in the past, bro. You're living in the past, man. So you're not going to get people on board with that. How can we get people on board with avoiding this area at all costs, especially tonight? during this uh, alleged rally, which I like to call a clan meeting, apparently, because I read too much CNN. How about this? Let's try this one on for size. A health expert, ladies and gentlemen. You know how we love the health experts here on the Daily Boogie. Let's check out what the health experts are saying about this gathering of 7,500 people in the shadows of Mount Rushmore later on today. If you have an event that is out that is outdoors, mm -hmm. 7,500 people are expected. Face coverings not required. There will be no social distancing program in place. What would your level of concern be here? Well, Kate, I'm highly concerned. Highly this concerned. is beyond irresponsible. This is yeah. beyond irresponsible. It's worse than irresponsible, Katie. It's beyond irresponsible. <laughs> See, I love this stuff. This stuff gets me hard because, you know, two, three weeks ago, 
all of the protests, all of the mass protests and the rallies and the riots and whatnot, not a fucking word about social distancing, not a word about wearing a mask, not a word about coronavirus. It was, hey, you need to, remember Chris Cuomo? You need to be active. You need to be angry. Don't be passive. Don't go home. They don't want you, they want you to go home and be passive. They want to ignore you. And now, because it's a very organized thing where we suspect stores aren't going to be looted, where there isn't going to be an angry racial tinge, well, we need to inject the racial tinge into it. Well, you know, two of the guys up here on this monument own fucking slaves. Did you know that? Well, I never. And of course, now coronavirus, big concern, big issue. Got a deal. How dare they? This is the behavior of a cult leader who is jumping off the cliff, <laughs> except he's jumping off into a safety net where he has protections yeah. around him. People around him are being tested. He's being tested on a regular basis. <laughs> Political rallies are now are now a manifestation of a cult leader sending people to their death. <laughs> Look, I think you'll be okay at the rally. Just when they hand out the Kool-Aid, don't drink it, apparently. I think that's big, not not because there's going to be any poison in the Kool-Aid, but because you don't know if the person who poured it may have coronavirus. So you need to be careful. Responsible. This is the behavior of a cult leader who is jumping off the cliff, except he's jumping off into a safety net where he has jumping protections off the around him. People around him are being tested. He's being tested on a regular basis while he asks his followers to jump off a cliff into nothing. I mean, this is extremely dangerous behavior. Extremely. And unfortunately, extremely this is extremely so dangerous. Extremely dangerous. Do you think it would be more or less dangerous than, uh, I don't know, participating in a mass thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people throwing bricks through windows, stealing, looting, and firing guns at each other? Do you think it would be more or less dangerous than that? quietly sitting on a chair and listening to somebody speak. <laughs> this is extremely dangerous. They're jumping off a cliff into nothing. This is a cult leader. Like I said, I love this stuff because I can't take it seriously anymore, which is exactly why I show it on this show. Politicized where you abide by public health and scientific recommendations. You abide by public health recommendations, ladies and gentlemen. Do what the public health officials tell you to do. We've been over this, but darling, you're out of your fucking jurisdiction. If I get sick and come to you, that's where your jurisdiction begins. And at the end of our consultation, I have the right to give you the finger and say, you know what, I'm not going to do anything that you recommend. Why? Because you're a doctor. You're not a police officer. You know, you're not an agent. You're not a fed. You're none of those things. You are a doctor. Your job is to give advice, not laws. Your job is to give advice and people have the right to reject that advice. It is not your job to tell people what they can and can't do. You are out of your jurisdiction, my darling. I feel like this needs to be repeated over and over because right now so too many people are like cowering to the white coats. Oh, the health official said, so we can't do it. We can't do what we want. Didn't you hear? The doctor said no. Everybody rejects doctor's advice on a daily fucking basis. 
Have you ever been told you need to eat better, drink less, smoke less, quit smoking, perish the fucking thought? Don't do hard narcotics. Have you ever been told these things? How many people are actively ignoring the doctor's advice on a daily basis? Exactly the way it should be. You should be free to do that. Thank you for joining us, Frozen Asian, dlive.tv slash Sunday Night Chit Show. So, the behaviour of a cult leader, ladies and gentlemen. We need to put a stop to this. What else have we got here? Oh, this is a fun little one, again with CNN. CNN's been on fire in the last 48 hours. Kicking off the Independence Day weekend, President Trump will be at uh, Mount Rushmore. Now, remember, this is a reporter, ladies and gentlemen. We're reporting here. Kicking off the Independence Day weekend, President Trump will be at uh, Mount Rushmore, where he'll be standing in front of a monument of two slave owners and on land wrestled away from Native Americans, told that uh, <laughs> be focusing on the effort to, quote, tear down our country's history. <laughs> They're good, aren't they? On land wrestled away from Native Americans. But darling, I've got news for you. The land that you're standing on right now was at one time or another wrestled away from somebody else. The land that the CNN office buildings are on was once occupied by somebody else. Your home is on land. You know the place where you lay your pretty little head down at night and cuddle your probably many cats to sleep every single evening? That once belonged to somebody else too. You see the dilemma here. How far back do you want to go? How committed to the cause are you? Are you prepared to give everything away? Give everything up? If not, then people probably have the right. You know, those bigots out there. Not here on this show. On this show, we agree with everything. (coughs) Follow Q with a diamond. Don't use hand sanitizer before lighting fireworks. Good advice. (laughs) Good advice. So how prepared are you to, you know, commit to the cause here? Some may say, some of those bigots out there may say that if you're not prepared to give up your home, the office building, the car park, the local hospital, which all of which is built on land that at one point or another belonged to somebody else, then, you know, you're kind of a fraud. So you should shut the fuck up. Maybe. I mean, do you really think it's good enough? Do you really think it's progressive enough to just pick and choose the items that we want to refer to as historically being stolen and then go back home to our gated community in our mansion with our mortgage and our home loan and our landowner's fees? Think that's fair? Oh, very good. Very good comment from Ben K. Veritas in the chat with the diamond. I really hope she's not wearing cotton panties. Mm-hmm. Perhaps many hundred of many hundreds of black people's hands have been in your pants, my dear. I hope we can come back to this later. Loose for Sam joining us in the second half of the show. Plenty to get through, my man. Plenty to get through. So there's some there's some current day outrages. Found this little found this little doozy earlier today. I don't often refer to Fox News, but I thought this one needed to be shared. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the state of co- uh, politics currently as it stands, the state of the war on Twitter. Now, you'll know uh, the other day we criticised Donald Trump for deleting the retweet of the uh, pensioner driving in the golf cart. What power? The only problem I had with that whole story is that he deleted the retweet. Should have kept it up. 
because you're just throwing the guy under the bus at that point. When you delete the tweet, you're basically admitting to the other side that it is what they say it is, when clearly it wasn't. Clearly it was two sets of angry boomers yelling at each other and one group was calling the other group Nazis and the other one sarcastically in response said, yeah, yeah, white power, man. As if to say, you fucking idiots. But deleting the tweet then says to the world, well, <laughs> we won. We won. We called it white power and he agreed. That's why he deleted it. Why else would he delete it, you see? So leave it up. <coughs> it seems that Mr. Trump is not the only one who is forced to conform with these kinds of uh, demands on Twitter. Have a look at this. Not for sure. In the meantime, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you. No, no, I want to go back to the deleting insults. The DNC tweeting, then deleting insults about the president's upcoming Independence oh, Day what? event at what? Mount Rushmore, Why? claiming the iconic landmark is a quote glorification of white supremacy. <laughs> the DNC, ladies and gentlemen, the glorification of white supremacy. Isn't that cute? Mount Rushmore. <laughs> or as it's otherwise known, <laughs> Munich. <laughs> as it's otherwise been known historically, Mount Rushmore, the Reichstag. The glorification of white supremacy, huh? <whistles> Sounds offensive. <laughs> Sounds awful, if you ask me. Jesus Christ. You know, some, it had to be some intern or something that, that popped this out and thought, you know what? This is going to kill it, man. This is going to kill it. We are going to get so many retweets on this. GOP congressional candidate Lacey Lee Johnson joined us now. Good morning. Thank you for being here. We appreciate it. Good morning. So here's what the Democratic Party has to say. Here's a Republican black guy to explain what's wrong with that tweet. Saying, we'll let you respond. This tweet reads, quote, Trump has disrespected Native communities time and again. He's attempted to limit their voting rights and blocked critical pandemic relief. He's now holding a rally glorifying white supremacy a at rally. Mount Rushmore, a region once sacred to tribal communities. What is your response to that? I think this is typical election year politics. I think the Democrats yep. have spent the past... Uh, four years talking about Russian collusion and Ukrainian quid pro quo, uh, immigration and every other issue except issues affecting the Native Americans. And as part of their campaign playbook, each campaign they pull out racism, white supremacy and things like that to get the Native American black people votes and women vote. Uh, if Democrats were really concerned about the lives of Native Americans, they will be talking about the poverty level and conditions in these communities. They will be Well, they do. To be fair to them, they do. They talk about the poverty level in these communities, but they say it's because of white supremacy. <laughs> you know. If the Democrat Party really cared about uh, the living conditions of the Native American and the black man, then they would be talking about poverty levels. Well, they do. They say the poverty levels are caused by white supremacy and white Rushmore. <laughs> so we need to do away with it. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. While we're on the media, this one has been tucked away in my inbox for about a week and a half. And I th 
I've been waiting for a chance to get to it, trying desperately to get to this clip. It's been a while. It's time for another edition of... The Weekly Stelter. <clears throat> the not-so-weekly Stelter these days, unfortunately, because we've turned our attention to so many other things. But uh, you'll remember after the Tulsa-Oklahoma rally that uh, people were very, the people were in a celebratory mood because apparently, ladies and gentlemen, the, tro- the trolls... There was a bunch, apparently there was a bunch of trolls on the internet who had booked interest with Donald Trump's campaign and then didn't show up. And this caused the campaign to go out and say, well, a million people are interested and blah, 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 blah. You know the fucking story. My whole take on that was if it was a legitimate campaign to make that happen, if that was a legitimate campaign by, you know, the opponents of Donald Trump, then my genuine reaction to that is this. Well done. Well done. <clears throat> because uh, you've got to take out, you know, if if you're a Trump supporter, right, then you would recognise that if the same thing was done the opposite way and it worked, that you would be clapping too. So, like, purely as, you know, uh, of the tactical to and fro of a campaign, if that's what happened, then I say tip of the hat, well done to you, sir. Well played. I can't hate that. I cannot hate that because if it was going against, you know, a, a politician that I dislike, I would fucking celebrate it too. So it's like, well, they're learning. They're learning. They're learning. They're figuring it out. <clears throat> so I can't be against it. I can't be for it for one way and then against it the other way. A tactic is legitimate if it's used against you. So tip of the hat. I would only say that you can't really do the same thing to Biden because if his HQ gets more than 50 calls, then they'll know something's up. They'll know that it's a fucking scam, right? Hang on a minute. We, ha- we haven't had a dozen calls in one day ever. <laughs> so we know that somebody's teasing us here. This has to be a prank. So it wouldn't work going the opposite way. Uh, maybe you could say, well, we want you to come down and speak to the deaf-mute children of this particular special school who all use, you know, rose petal flavoured Pantene shampoo. Maybe that would be a way to get the same kind of Joe Biden punk. They hear nothing, they say nothing, and they all smell amazing. So maybe we could do that for Joe, but who knows? He may be in favour of that. So Brian Stelter was doing the victory lap after this event. And this was, I think, about 24 hours after it took place. Brian Stelter, Bri Bri on his show. Let's have a look at Brian Stelter basking in the glow of reflected troll glory. Arnold Nicotina with a diamond. Thank you for joining us. MSM is doing the victim roulette. Next week's next week's victim is... Good question. Good question. We'll never run out of victims. That's the beautiful part of that play. There's always going to be a victim. Let's see Brian celebrating. We are seeing a convergence of three stories. Yeah. The pandemic, the pandemic protests, protests, and politics. politics. All of it in Tulsa, Oklahoma. All of it with a side of TikTok trolling. Ooh. A side That's of right. TikTok From trolling. Australia to Great Britain, all around the world. Headlines about President Trump's rally falling short of expectations. All those empty <laughs> seats. Uh, the crowds did not show up as expected. Now, we've been over this, right? Generally, like in campaigning, you want to take the opponent's strength and turn it into a weakness, right? 
So what's what's the one thing that Donald Trump supporters point to more than anything else when it in terms of an election campaign? It's the crowd sizes. It's like the foundation stone. Like anything can be happening in the polls, anything can be happening in the news, the opinion pieces, it doesn't matter. The Trump supporters will always say, look at the look at the crowd sizes. The crowd sizes is all the evidence we need. So they've been waiting legitimately five years for an opportunity like this to come up. Thank you for joining us. The Punch News. Thank you. Sharing on Facebook. Well, you're about to get banned. <laughs> you're about to get banned off Facebook. <laughs> Thank you for sacrificing yourself for this show. <laughs> five years they've been waiting for this opportunity where a crowd is less than expected. Now, you know, as like the objective, unbiased, non-partisan viewer, which I'm sure you all are, <laughs> well, let's assume that you are, you know that for years and years and years, we could have done hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of reporting of politicians getting small crowd sizes. And we've ignored the crowd sizes of one guy for years and years and years. And now that that one guy gets a smaller than expected crowd size, it becomes the story for a week. Like it doesn't, it's not hard to look at this and go, eh, come on, man, come on. Like, you know, play, at least try. We're not as stupid as you think we are. But Brian couldn't help himself. He went all in. He pushed all of his chips into the middle of the table on this one. Wait until you see the way that this little fucking clip goes, the direction this takes. It is mwah, beautiful. It is the piece de resistance of the corporate press. Why does this matter? Why is it a lead story? Why is it a lead story? Because it matters you tell us. to him. Ah. And we expect to have, uh, you know, it's like a record-setting crowd. We've never had an empty seat. Yep. And we certainly won't in Oklahoma. Mm. That was a lie. There are usually empty seats at his events, and there were lots <laughs> of them in Tulsa. <clears throat> Trump set out to produce a television show, and he wanted to have a campaign relaunch spectacle there, but yep. he fell short, yep. partly because folks are rightly concerned to be in a room with thousands of others during the coronavirus pandemic. Right. And it seems that one of the other reasons... That's the other That's the other beautiful part about this. So while during, like, in the lead-up to the indoor Tulsa, Oklahoma rally, I lost count of the amount of opinion pieces that said, this is wrong because coronavirus... And then people would say, well, what about the protests? And do you remember how many times did you see this fucking headline or, you know, an opinion piece or something in the newspaper, whatever? I don't know how much you keep up with the corporate press. But how many times did you see it said that, well, it's only because it's inside that's the problem. If you have the rally outside, then there's not going to be any problem. And I was like, oh, okay. So then he announces his next rally to be outside. And what do we get? We watched the clip just minutes ago. The health experts saying this is highly irresponsible. The behavior of a cult leader who is leading his supporters off a cliff into nothingness. <laughs> but I thought you said, I thought you said if it was outside, it was going to be okay. Shut up, bigot. What about the slave owners? What about the historical racisms here? Oh, okay. That's the other thing. Right. Yeah, now they show the images of the crowd. Exactly. <laughs> Why there were so many empty seats is a no-show protest. Nice. A no-show protest. This all started with a video on TikTok created by... Oof. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I present to you 
The young, the hip, the beautiful, the trendy, the attractive, modern-day anti-Trumper. Yeah. Have a look at this. Have a look at this trolling mastermind, would you? Huh? Huh? This is who you're up against. (laughs) How many people just became incels? (laughs) Winning TV with a diamond. Why is a fat boomer on TikTok? This isn't a fat boomer. This is a young, youthful, concerned citizen winning TV. Don't you know the difference when you see it? Mary Jo Lapp, who's being effectively called a TikTok grandma. (laughs) TikTok grandma. (laughs) She made a video more than a week ago urging viewers to go to Trump's site, sign up to attend the rally, but pointedly not show up at the rally. Her video was viewed 10... I, I love it too when... I love it. I always listen intently to people who have one eye half closed when they do a video. Hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of times. Yeah. And then her video led to others, you know, yep. younger TikTok yep. users going on posting similar videos. Uh-huh. Uh, K-pop fans K-pop were on there fans. as well trying to sabotage Trump's rally. And look, it, it, it did... Jim N-word, this is a powerful statement. It seemed to work to some degree. <laughs> we don't know exactly how well, but... Trump's campaign manager, Brad Parscale, was out there talking about how many people were signing up. Yes, you know, he Trump was. was bragging that there were a million. <laughs> Lucifer Sam, she's a mastermind. She's like, uh, I suspect she's like, um, oh, come on, God, my brain lately. What's going on? Uh, she's like Stephen Hawking, right? Her brain is so powerful that the rest of her body suffers as a result. You know what I mean? Like Stephen Hawking's brain is so powerful and so deep that it literally causes the rest of his body to shut down. I think the same thing is happening here <laughs> with this lovely young lady, otherwise known as the troll mastermind. And people RSVP and they were gathering all this data about yep. people they yep. could use for the campaign. But apparently it was a bunch of kids, a bunch of teenagers ah. signing up as a protest. Clearly not a-, a bunch of kids and a bunch of teenagers being led by the TikTok grandma. Everybody <laughs> showed up in, in Tulsa. Maybe People heard the huge numbers and said they didn't want to go through the hassle of the crowds. It's unclear exactly what happened. There's multiple factors. We're going to go live to Tulsa Mm -hmm. in a moment. But first, I I spoke with Mary Jo Lopp about her role in what's being... We're going to speak with Mary Jo. (laughs) Have a look at this. Have a look at what CNN has become. For all the... See, I'm not a goldfish. I remember. I remember playing the clips on this show of corporate media personalities repeating ad nauseum, we can't keep paying too much attention to Twitter. We can't pay too much attention to social media. It's not that important. It's not real, right? (coughs) Gypsy with a diamond. Where did you steal the diamond, Gypsy? Who did you steal the diamond from, Gypsy? You mean they followed her like a cult leader? Boom, boom, boom. Perhaps. Perhaps. We'll, We'll find out. Let's hear the words of the wise. Let's hear the wisdom-filled, whimsical whimsings, the musings of this uh, modern-day trolling mastermind. Called a no-show protest. The no-show protest. Let's have a look. So, Mary- <laughs> we'll get her on CNN. <laughs> Old lady who made a TikTok video. Would you like to be on the Brian Stelter program? Would I? <laughs> you know. We as a society really need to spend less time talking about what happens on social media. Coming up next, the TikTok grandma who made a video about a Donald Trump rally. Mary Jo, what happened? Mary Jo.
She's got two names too, two first names. I love it. Um, I had educated myself on Black Wall Street and under... We're off to a flying start. That's where she cut her teeth. That's where she earned her stripes. <laughs> I can't believe she had time to do this interview. <laughs> she cut her teeth. She earned her stripes on Black Wall Street. You can, she looks like somebody who plays the market, if you know what I mean. understood better why black content creators on various social platforms uh-huh. were really upset and frustrated. So another white saviour, basically. Another white saviour. You know, I, I educated myself on Black Wall Street and I was listening to a whole bunch of black content creators and black influencers and then I decided to take up the fight for them. Well, thank you. TikTok grandma, where would we be without you? Where would we be without you and your selfless act of devotion? ...with the original plan of Juneteenth for the rally in uh-huh. Tulsa. Yeah. And I posted a, a video late Thursday night, the 11th, that was just sort of meant to be a frustrated rant. I had a thousand followers on TikTok at that point. Most <laughs> of my videos were seen a couple hundred times, maybe. And then this went viral on multiple platforms. Yes, by 7 o'clock the next morning, it had been seen hundreds of times and shared hundreds of times, and then the K-pop stands jumped on from Twitter, and when they get involved, you know it's getting serious. She's big in Korea. To be fair, she's big everywhere. (laughs) Bada-bing, huh? How do you like that one, huh? Hey, how about this guy over here, huh? He's a hell of a guy. (laughs) So this idea is... (laughs) Thank you, Brian. Everybody's going to sign up for tickets, claim they want to attend the rally, uh, but then, of course, not show up. How much of an impact do you think this online prank Mm. actually had in Tulsa? Yes. I honestly can't tell you because these social media systems are generational. So when I shared a video, let's say my video was shared 700 times, but each of those people would have people sharing their copies of it. Yes, you're huge. So that's 700 more people I never saw. Mm. Um, so it's impossible to tell for sure just because of this. Brian can barely contain himself. Look at him. I think he just came. Did you see that? Did you see that little pop of excitement from Brian? I'm not even fucking joking here. I'm being serious. I think he just preed in his panties. Have a look at this. Have a look at this little reaction from Brian. When she was talking about, I can't really tell because 700 people shared it and then those people may have shared it to 700 people and there was just a little pop of excitement from Brian. (gasps) (gasps) Like when you're a virgin, you're with a girl for the first time and she takes a bra off, you know, like (gasps) (gasps) 15-year-old, 16-year-old, however old you were. (laughs) Brian just just had that moment. Have a look at this very carefully. Um, So it's impossible to tell for sure just because of... There. Did you see it? <laughs> Maybe we can slow this down. <laughs> Never saw. Okay, let's slow this right down now. Um, so, is it possible? Okay. Here we go. Here we go. There. (laughs) 
Now you've seen it, you can't unsee it. Now you've seen it, you can't unsee it, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Brian Stelter just coomed. It's impossible to tell for sure, just... <sighs> there you have it. I've been wanting to... <laughs> Let's just leave Brian there, shall we? <laughs> that was... The Weekly Stelter. <laughs> Over edge with a diamond. How do you not dress up or prep for TV? Yikes. Well, she was. She was wearing her best uh, funeral outfit, I think you'll find. Look again. She's dressed for a funeral. And you gotta show those gotta show those arms too. That's her that's her most alluring feature. Um I've got one more clip for you before we take a quick break and then we'll get to our guest tonight. And it's gonna be a lot of fun, trust me. We've got a lot of stuff to go over with Lucifer Sam. I do have one that we must cover here. As you know, we since we've dropped John McAfee, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, I've got a John McAfee clip. Maybe we'll play it with Sam, see what he thinks. I've got a John McAfee clip, or maybe we'll keep it for Monday. Who knows? So, as you know, on this show, ladies and gentlemen, we've been covering the campaign of Toddles. Toddles 2020. Big fans of Toddles here. John McAfee let us down. He dropped out of the race. He didn't win the nomination, unfortunately. Neither did Vermin Supreme. So we couldn't go We couldn't go to the Libertarian Party for our nominee. So we've had to look outside the box. We've had to go outside the square. And we found Toddles. Now, Toddles is pretty based. <laughs> he lives with his mother. He makes things in his kitchen that don't involve the oven, you see, because mum doesn't like him using the oven. Uh, there's there's the sticker right there. President Toddles 2020. Thank you so much. <laughs> so he's not allowed to use the oven because he makes too much mess. So we've seen him do Peter Peters. We've seen him throw knives into a box. He's a, an excellent knife thrower. Excellent knife thrower is Toddles. But what I wanted to show you was Toddles, ladies and gentlemen, this is not his first campaign. We have unearthed a video from Toddles back when he was running for president in 2015, ladies and gentlemen. He's a veteran of election campaigns. So I thought it would be fun to review an old campaign video of Toddles back for the 2016 campaign and see if his view has changed at all. As you'll remember, the Toddles of 2020 wants to address the prison overpopulation problem by getting rid of all the police. You see, he's a visionary <clears throat> because the police arrest people and the only people that get into prison are people who have previously been arrested. So if we just stop arresting people, then there'll be nobody going to prison. Then we don't have to deal with prison overpopulation anymore. Like I said, he's a fucking genius. His campaign slogan was, make America uh, huge. That's the quote. Make America uh, huge. <laughs> Remember? So let's go back into 2015. Like, there it is. Uh, you can't see it on the screen. But it, it is from March 15, 2015, Toddles running for president over four years ago. Let's have a look. How much has he changed? How much has he adapted to the modern political landscape? Look at him. Look at him wearing a suit. He's wearing a suit. 
He was much more formal back then. I think he was more confident back then. He believed in himself more. Or maybe he's more confident now. That's why he does most of his videos shirtless and sweating profusely. But back then, it was suit and tie for Toddles. Wow, he's changed. He's definitely changed. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Come on, Toddles. Give us your best. Ben K. Veritas with the diamond. A very astute observation. Stop making toilet paper and people won't poop. <laughs> he's got he's got the background music. He's got everything. Toddles of 2016 was a completely different beast. He's got American flags. Woo! <laughs> he's waving American flags. He's got the music background. He's wearing a suit. Todd. As a member of the internet community, as somebody who wants to, who does support your run for president in 2020, Toddles, what the fuck happened, bro? Was your heart broken? Were your dreams dashed? Were you crushed by the system? Why did you give up on yourself, Todd? Why did you stop caring? Look how much effort he put in the first time around. Look at this. Now wave it around. <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing a shirt and a tie. He's got music. He's got a flag. Imagine if only imagine if the United States have had have elected Toddles back in 2016 instead of Donald Trump. Think of all of the outrage and the hatred and the and the uh, you know the the wailing and gnashing of teeth that could have been avoided by now. God. Eagles, like I said. It was good. It's good to see that back in 2015, he still had the same camera sense. <laughs> he still had the same mind for direction, for production. He was still a production genius back in 2015. By the way, lifeguard. Now, one side in this campaign has been telling us that the issues of this election are the maintenance of peace and prosperity. The line is Ronald Reagan, man. Ronald Reagan, man. Was he a Reaganite, is Toddles? <sighs> For those who just joined us, this is a Toddles video from back in 2015. And we're seeing the Toddles of then versus the Toddles now. We still support him in 2020, but have a look at him playing fucking, uh, playing uh, Reagan fucking clips. This is incredible. Back to your love. <laughs> Kitty B in the chat. He refuses to, to answer me on if his mum is still alive or not, because we have a working theory. We never see mum, and we think mum may be stashed away in a fucking, in a bedside table or perhaps in a closet or in a hole in the garage somewhere, and he's collecting her disability checks. We think that this could be 
a true story, but we need to confirm or disconfirm those rumours. Lifeguard. It's it's a potential scandal on the on the campaign trail for Toddles. If he if the longer this question goes unanswered about the life status of his mother, the more voters are going to have question marks in their mind as to whether Toddles can run the country or not. <laughs> Only real men drink. Only real men drink. Lifeguard. Look, he was drinking beer back then in 2015 too. Woo! So the drinking on camera as part of your election campaigning has been a big part of Toddles's, you know, MO for at least two election runs now. Only real men drink. You know, I'm patriotic because I'm going to one day be a uh, victorious time. president. I got my snacks, got my steak, my chicken. <laughs> Look at this. Now, <clears throat> this may upset some Trump voters out there, but it looks to me like Donald Trump stole the I'm eating while running for president bit from Toddles. Look at this. Looks like a pizza. <clears throat> looks like some random pulled meat with sauce. You know, people used to celebrate Donald Trump. Look, he's eating a taco. Oh, look, he's eating ice cream. Oh, look, this is how he eats his steak. Well done, like a fucking caveman, I might add. Everybody knows the only way to eat steak is rare. <clears throat> but putting that to one side. <laughs> so maybe Donald Trump was watching Toddles. Hi, POTUS. Maybe Donald Trump was watching Toddles back then. Saying, you know what? This guy's onto something. Let's use the Reagan quotes and let's eat. Let's show our snacks on camera. The kids will love it. The, uh, Victoria. Before life hit the skids, Ben K. Veritas. Yes, president. I got my snacks. Got my got steak, snacks. My chicken, my pizza back there. Ste steak, chicken. Look, isn't that an appealing piece of meat right there? Isn't that a good looking fucking chunk of cow? Exactly, Kitty B in the chat, who is Jamaican, by the way, so I know she knows a fucking good bit of meat when she sees one. If you can't hear it moo when you stick a fork in it, it's ruined. Couldn't agree more. <sighs> and wash it all down with a tasty... Now, I'm going to need some help with this. What beer brand is that? I haven't seen that one. We only get limited brands of beer here. I've got some Budweiser in the fridge, not Bud Light, not, not that gay shit. The Red Label Budweiser. I don't know what that is, though. It's not a Michelob because it's got the N. Natty Ice? Never heard of it. Never heard of it. What the fuck is Natty Ice? Natural light beer? Natural. Natural? There's a beer brand called Natural Natty Ice? Okay, there you go. Another one I need to put on the list. Is it good stuff, is it? Okay. Got my delicious drink. Delicious drink. I suspect that was uh, sarcasm. Whoever said it was, it's the good stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, he's wearing shorts. <laughs> he's wearing shorts with the suit top. Now, that's a common trick, right? On television, you wear the suit for the upper half, and you just wear casual for the lower half, because usually you're sitting behind a desk and nobody sees the lower half, right? So you can wear shorts, nobody cares. 
Toddles has gone for the traditional television trick of being formal up top and casual down bottom, but then he's completely forgotten about it and moved the camera so everybody can see those pasty white kneecaps <laughs> during this campaign speech after he showed his overcooked steak, his plate of chicken with barbecue sauce, and what looked to be a two-week-old piece of pepperoni pizza. Not in the Nazi formation, though, I'm pleased to report. Here, turn the light on. Give everyone a good view of those fucking calves, mate. Look at it. <laughs> it's on like butter popcorn. There you go. There you go. Let that camera focus, brother. Actually, keep it out of focus. Here we go. To all your guys' health, yep. blessings, and everything else. Blessings. Bless you, Todd. Yeah, beer. What do we got here? Is that a cause? Love yeah, it's a cause. So do I. Drink with me. Kitty B in the chat. Hey, Papa. Nice calves, Papa. Hey, Papa. If I was president, official. If I was my president video, it's official, people. Official. It's official. Thumb it up. You know you're going to thumb it up. God, his room was a lot cleaner back then, wasn't it? Just a little observation. He hadn't accumulated as much crap in his room. Much, much cleaner back then. Look. The bed, the bed was unstained. I don't think he's watched the, watched the bed sheets between this video back in 2015 and current videos. <sighs> Open that tinny, mate. See, see, I told you, the the drinking of warm beer has always been a staple of toddles. Look at the other can just waiting on the bed, <laughs> not in a fridge. <laughs> the other, what is it? A pint sized. Half a litre, 500 mils. I don't know what you call that. But another 500 mil can waiting on the bed over there. Waiting to be consumed. Keeping it cool. Cheers. Cheers. Suck it down, mate. Alrighty. Moving, moving ahead here. Moving ahead. Tell us. I want to hear policies now, Todd. There's the uh, there's granddad's chair, which is uh, holding the TV on it. Everybody hates the speed limit. I'd make the speed limits more. I'd lower the gas prices. People keep bitching, complaining about gas prices. Who can be against that? Everybody hates the speed limits. <laughs> I'm going to make the speed limits more, and I'm going to lower gas prices. Fucking. I like this guy. I like this guy. See the difference? See the difference back in 2015, ladies and gentlemen? Recent Toddles campaign videos, he talks about shit like, oh, black lives matter and black people are a good breed, quote, and we need to lower the prison population. Look at the shit he was talking about back in 2015. If only he could get back to that. Now, he had his finger on the pulse, exactly. His finger on the pulse of the people. Make the speed limit more and lower the gas prices. I'm on board. Toddles 2020. Speed limits more. I'd lower the gas prices. People keep bitching, complaining about gas prices. I'd make gas like a dollar forty. A dollar forty. But but sir, why not a dollar thirty? Well, I never thought of that. But no, a dollar forty. Let's let's be reasonable here. Dollar fifty a gallon. <laughs> I'd try to kill ISIS. Fuck ISIS. Hey, base toddles. Fuck ISIS, he says. 
I like the 2015 more. I know it's 2016. We're reviewing an old video cabaret. We're reviewing a 2016 video comparing it to the current current day totals. See now he says uh, we won't get we won't get into uh, any conflicts or battles. And get Thank you for the cheese, gifted sub overage. We won't get any into any conflicts or battles uh, unless we're provoked, uh, especially by terrorism. That's the totals of today. Back then in 2015, 2016, it was fuck ISIS. <laughs> Petrol, we'll make fuel, dollar forty a gallon. Fuck it. I like it. I bash them down, them motherfuckers. I wow. squash Whoa. them like a fucking kumquat. Like a kumquat. <laughs> <laughs> Squashed them like a kumquat. <laughs> I like it. I got to admit, I like it. 2015, 2016 totals. And a fucking. Uh, uh, I take them like you know. You heard a squash. Yeah. It's a good vegetable. Like yep. zucchini. I'd squash ISIS. <laughs> Squash ISIS like a squash, like a vegetable, like a zucchini and shit. You know the zucchinis? It's a good vegetable, by the way. Squash ISIS like a zucchini, <laughs> like a kumquat. <laughs> how many? How many? How, how often does he? How many? How many hours a week does Total spend back in 2015 squashing different vegetables to learn how different vegetables respond to pressure? Well, I'd squash them like a kumquat. Actually, you know what? A zucchini. A zucchini squashes better, far better than a kumquat. I'd kill them motherfuckers. Kill them motherfuckers. But I'd raise the speed limit, like I said. I keep the US <laughs> the US dollar in the United States. Yeah. I create every product yep. and every good, every item that people Everything. like to purchase. Yep. Like from odd lots, sears. I keep it in the yep. United States. Mm -hmm. I keep all of the all the good. So he was playing Reagan quotes before. Now he's starting to sound a little bit like a command economy kind of guy. <laughs> he's eclectic. The merchandise, I keep it in the United States. Yep. Produce it in the United States. Yep. Make it United States. Because mm -hmm. I, I love the Constitution. I yep. love America. Christopher Columbus was a great explorer. Yep. I adhere <laughs> to the Constitution. Listen to this. See, now in 2020, he stands with Black Lives Matter, but back in 2016, base Toddles was like, fucking Christopher Columbus, he's my bro. You can't say that shit now, Toddles. They're tearing his statue down, brother. They'll hate you now for this. Oh, dear. I certainly hope these old videos never resurface. This may torpedo Toddles' current 2020 run, but wasn't he based back in the day? I would strength in congress yep i pull the troops out of iraq yep in the middle east we have no business let let their didn't he just say he wants to fight isis <laughs> didn't he just say he wants to squash isis like a cucumber like a zucchini uh toddles <laughs> we have no business being in iraq <laughs> we're gonna squash isis in iraq um uh, okay can you show me the can you show me the chicken again? I really like the chicken. Countries. They're third world ass butts. Yeah. Deal with their own countries. You know, legal aliens suck. You know, I'd secure the borders even Whoa. more. I'd create more products Whoa. like I said made in the United States. I'd let people smoke. Let people smoke again. Them. Make America smoke again. Toddles. Twenty sixteen. Restaurants. We're not communist. 
I lower the taxes for people, you know? People don't want to pay 7%. I remember when taxes were like... Taxation is theft, totals, 2016. A little under 5%. How fucking good was he? I'd encourage counseling and ways to better your life, you know, for criminals, yep. you know? Yep. Instead, you know, the death penalty, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth is cool, but... <laughs> Give the people a better break. Yeah. You know, the middle class deserve, you know, to be a little bit better off. Oh, that's changed. Remember, he said, I want to keep the middle class in the middle in the last video we watched. Back then, he was like, the middle class needs to be upper rung. That would help the lower class because we could give incentives to the lower class. Listen to Toddles you know, back then. The class. Wow. So we can even balance it out so it's more, you know leveled you know between the classes wow toddles back in 2015 ladies and gentlemen there you go <laughs> what a fucking story we're gonna have to keep on this i think we're gonna keep an eye on toddles and we from time to time i think we might need to go back and have another look and see the way toddles has changed over the years oh dear very very disappointing actually I want the totals of 2015, not the totals of 2020. Sound familiar? <laughs> with that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to take a quick five-minute break. When we return, we're going to return with Twitter's most hated contrarian. Uh, you know him from the OG Periscope days. Lucifer Sam, ladies and gentlemen, joining us on the Daily Boogie. So much to get through. So many reasons to hate our guest. So many reasons to hate me. Why the hell wouldn't you stick around for that? <laughs> so we'll be back in five. I'm going to refresh my drink, visit the little boys' room. We'll see you soon. Right here on the Daily Boogie on a Friday night. Your novelty comedy songs, organic, handmade with painstaking care, put into every note. Well, look no further than Irrational Times. Using only the finest instruments to create an experience that your ears will thank you for later. Irrational Times attempts to elevate the whimsy to a desirable level. New songs and sketches every week. So check it out. Idiot boogie bumper. 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 Idiot it's the JJ Stoner Spring Collection, the perfect attire for any and every occasion you can think of this season. Like we were in the mosh pit full of sweat and everyone's slapping, hitting, and pulling on you. This shit won't rip. Lunch at your favorite cafe? Brunch with the girls? These stylish ensembles will give you the confidence you need to look and feel your best. Or if you're getting arrested for possession, it comes with a built-in police stick-proof body armor. 
Keep swinging, pigs! Call now, and your order will come with a complimentary ounce of that dankest bubblegum slur cane that the South has to offer. But don't forget the wall tapestry! If you need to cover your wall, it works! Inverted, narcissistic, and most importantly, completely pointless. Come waste an hour of your week with The Starting Block, Friday nights Australian time at dlive.tv forward slash The Starting Block. Get in touch with us on Twitter at The Starting Block, no K at the end. Also, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes by searching for The Starting Block, all one word, or on Podbean at startingblock.podbean.com. Join the Blockheads, tuning in in their millions right around the world. Hello, my name is Frozen Asian, and I like to tell you about my show, The Sunday Night Shit Show, every Sunday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, along with good conversations and laughing at funny and weird shit we find on the internet. We also have The Hat Cam, where I showcase my myriad of great-looking hats. Here is a testimonial from a great friend of mine who has enjoyed my hats lately. Hi. I hope your next hat is a bullet. Jesus Christ, what are you, fucking Asian Dick Tracy? <laughs> you. Why do you, you have to ruin my evening? Like, I, I'm just gonna just listen, you know, listen to my bud do their show, and you, get, you gotta, you just gotta do that. Without the hat. So you're not enjoying it? No. <laughs> Dude, Asian oh, come Dick on, Tracy. I really enjoy it. You look no. like you're going undercover <laughs> in, in Argentina, but it's now working. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. I oh, come on, you secretly hat. love it. No, no, I openly hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. Uh, so. Subscribe to the Sunday Night Shit Show at youtube.com slash Sunday Night Shit Show. And uh, hope to see you there on Sunday nights. Bye. Feeling depressed? Need someone to tell you it's not okay? Do you like goth public access TV? Then join me for The Big Empty every Sunday at noon. Major underscore Tom on DLive with zeros for O's because everything in your life is that difficult. Patriots, this is your favorite Southerner, Doc Martin. Just wanted to remind you to put on your calendars to join me and your favorite near-to-wheel Yankee, Bill D'Angelo, on Saturday nights, beginning with Promises Kept at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, followed by the Speakeasy with all of your favorite Patriots. You never know what we might cuss and discuss. That's right, Doc Martin. This is everybody's favorite Yankee, Phil D'Angelo speaking. And on Saturday night, we could have Kimmy, Wise Censor, affectionately known as Electrolux, the original grandma, UK Neil, Rusty, and his famous sound test show, Coffee Talk with Sandra, Earth Citizen, Stefan, the infamous Grandma Sears, Mac Daddy may even make a show up, or virtually anyone else in the world for some irrelevant fun. Yankee, you mean some irreverent fun. So be sure to join us on Twitch, Periscope, DLive, or YouTube. That's right, Doc. Follow us at Winning TV on all of those channels. So be sure and put it on your calendar. We'll be looking for you. We'll leave the porch light on. 
I still think it's irrelevant fun. But why are you farming for coins when you have a heavy bag? <laughs> There's a place that we can go to watch old things. All the warm, fuzzy member berries it brings. It's a special little spot tucked away on D-Live. Enjoy the joy of Pessie. And old cartoons. We hope to see you over there very soon. It's our special little spot tucked away on D Live. Enjoy the joy of Pessie. When we were kids and there wasn't any school, we'd sit and watch all the best cartoons. Eating cereal until it was noon. We never thought that 30 years later it'd still be cool. Saturday night and cheesy movies The ones that used to show us boobies It's our special little spot tucked away on D-Live Enjoy the joy of Pessy Enjoy the joy of Pessy Enjoy the joy of Pessy This Justin, the global officials that can help all, also known as Got You, have now banned all boogieing and boogie-related movements worldwide. Public safety is the main concern, they say, and people are reminded that boogieing is contagious. Anyone caught boogieing will be dealt with in the harshest terms police have reported. More right around this world can get you down. There's just one thing you can do. And shake it all around. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. Coming back. Second half of the show, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Thank you so much for joining us here on a Friday night. The Friday night edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you, as always. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, then please, by all means, head to patreon.com slash boogiebumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to complain about tonight's guest, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogiebumper. Without any further ado, let's bring him in. And it's a long time coming. Lucifer, are you with me? I'm with you. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Lucifer Sam. Now, uh, I do have a couple of things I want to go over. Let me just pump up your volume there a little bit. Are you there? Can I hear you? I'm here. Can you hear me? I can. You're very, very quiet, though. Really? Okay. Yeah, That's all right. I'll, I'll do it on my end. So, all right. Okay. Beautiful. Sounding good. So now, Sam, there's a couple of things that we need to go over here. And like I said, uh, you're hated by everybody. Everybody dislikes you. I quite like you. So, so That's true. Maybe, you know, to be fair, the liberals hate me more, I think. Oh, don't worry. We'll get to that. <laughs> so before for our OG Periscope listeners, of which there aren't many left anymore because I've successfully uh, you know, pissed them off over the last couple of years, but for the people who see you in chat rooms and see you on Twitter, I've come up with a few questions, and I just want yes or no answers to try and establish a little bit of a baseline with Lucifer Sam. Now, before we get to that, though, the one thing that I see leveled at you more than anything else is, and this comes from people who call themselves music fans, by the way. I love it. It always makes me laugh. 
people always say, well, of course you'd have that opinion. You have the name Lucifer in your Twitter handle. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. That, oh, yes. That's a classic, that one. So uh, can you please explain to the people, to the, to the big music fans out there who often say this to you, where does your name come from? <laughs> well, I can assure you there wasn't a whole lot of thought put into it, but when I did create this Twitter account, uh, I just happened to choose some random Pink Floyd song that I, I probably never really listened to myself. I, I, wait, are you saying that you didn't sit down and study trends and whatnot and come up with like the ideal optimized Twitter handle I, at the time? Or? I didn't. I, really? I wanted to. I should have. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, <laughs> this is what came up. So Lucifer Sam is, of course, a Pink Floyd song. So there you go. That's why uh, it's not that he's a Satanist. It's because it's a Pink Floyd song. Now, not a Satanist. Not a Satanist. So here, I've got a, a couple of questions for you because people, I think, have a. Um, I, it's not even people, and it's not even just you. We tend to create caricatures of people, especially when it's only in text form. Like I get this a lot. You and I are pretty similar personalities, I think, even though we do, it's possible to disagree on certain things and still be very similar people, Sam and I have, have sure. discovered. And in text form, I'm rather blunt and to the point. And so I come off as like a bit of a jerk, you know what I mean? But then when people meet me in person, they're like, oh, well, you're not really a jerk like you are in text. I'm like, well, of course, <laughs> you know, because I'm a person like, you know, I'm, I'm here talking to you now. We're laughing. We're having a drink together, whatever. So I right. think this happens to you quite a bit. So. If we could just go through, give me yes or no answers. Do you think the American flag should be banned? Oh, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a lie. He's I mean, being why, sarcastic. It's, just, it's a symbol of white supremacy. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I'm trying to help you here. I'm trying to help okay. you here. No, no, I do not think okay. the American flag should be banned. Do you love guns? I love guns. Do you really love, love guns. Do you love football? I, I really love football. Okay. Uh, do you, are you, um, ashamed of being white? I mean, not until the last three weeks when the news convinced me that I should be, but yeah. do you think, uh, do you think it's helpful that statues are being torn down of the nation's founders? Yeah. I mean, this is meaningful change, right? I mean, if you want to change the world, yeah. the best thing to do is to take down a concrete uh, figure of something that existed 300 years ago. Absolutely. Now, of course, he's being sarcastic. Now, this one question that I'm about to get, here's a thing. Do you hate the establishment of the Democrat Party? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, here's the reason why I think most people hate you on Periscope and Twitter. Do you hate the Republicans? Yes. There you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so well, you so let me, let me be clear. Let me be clear. I, I, I I, all, I don't look at all it as the other one... things, but this is the thing I'm trying to establish here. All the other things most of my audience agrees with, except for that one thing, and then they'll say, "Oh fuck him! He's a he's a libtard who hates America and wants to tear down the statues, and he fucking hates the flag and stuff." It couldn't be further from the truth, right? Yeah, no, I you know I I I look at the thing not quite in black and white terms. So I don't think every Republican has the same ideas as to why they're Republicans. Exactly. So yep. Some of them I have a real problem with. Um, yep generally they're not the kind of people that are going to tune into your show right mm -hmm. but these are people that i know around me that are focused on the fiscal side of republicanism and look at everything else as just a sales pitch to get to that right yep not 100 um and you know that's this is something that you know we've talked about in private before like uh you know i i have it you you would be amazed how many times i have to push back on people who say nancy pelosi is a socialist i'm like no no she really isn't she's like an uber no. capitalist pro big business fucking democrat 
she Absolutely. may say culturally socialist things that they agree with, but that doesn't mean that she's a socialist, right? Like we have to we have to get away from this. Like everything that comes out of a politician's mouth is everything that they believe in. It's fucking politics. Ninety nine percent of it is a lie, you know. And particularly the socialist label. I mean, yeah. know, what legislation have have people seen that's socialist over the last sixty years? I, I can't really think of any. Now, I'm not a socialist. Well, I would say I welfare. Don't... I would say welfare is the big one. Yeah, sir. Yeah. And I think that there's there's this view among the Nancy Pelosi types where it's like, you know, we're going to put these people on welfare and then we don't have to worry about them anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you're you're not out of the game. We're going to feed you. You know, you could be kept on the reservation. And and that's why, you know, I, I don't believe in the socialist idea of things. But if you get to do, I think workers deserve more than they're getting. The answer would be absolutely. And that that drives sure. most sure. of my ideology. Yep. No, that's fine. And I used to think that way, too, until I you know, was at a stage when I was 17 and I was touted as like uh, overage with a diamond. Reverse fascist, hate the majority. <laughs> Thank you for the diamond overage. Um, and when I was like 17, I was going through a trade. I was touted as like the next big thing in the union movement. So then I got to figure out, like I got to see the inner workings of the union movement. And then I was like, wow, these motherfuckers are more corrupt, even more corrupt than the business owners that they uh, pretend to be fighting against, you see, because they'll play golf on the weekend at the same country club. And I'll yeah, and I, and I would say that, you know, wherever you have power, if it goes unchecked, it's going to get out of control. I mean, I don't think it's mm -hmm. exclusive to police or union leaders or politicians or anything else. I just think that's part of human nature. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So you've sent me a few things. This is good. So now we've established. So already the people in the audience who are watching and not commenting now are like, I fucking hate Lucifer Sam. Already they're going to be <laughs> starting to go, hang on, he doesn't sound like he's that fucking wrong, to be honest with you. So he sent through a couple. I asked for some things, some items to send through to us. Uh, we won't start with this one. Uh, let's start here. This is the first thing you sent me. We've had Koreans on rooftops. And uh, are you allowed to say what state you're currently in now? Or should we keep that hush-hush? No, no. I'm in California. You're in California. But you're not a California native, are you? No, I am not. You're Northeast, right? I'm an East Coast native, absolutely. Okay, because you're a big Pats I've been here guy. for quite a while, though. Okay. Big Patriots guy, though. Big Patriots fan. That's okay. I love the Pats. I, I'm not a Pats fan, quote unquote. Like I, when I was a kid, I grew up liking uh, Buffalo Bills. Believe it or not, um, it must be uh, the only um, guy outside of Buffalo who likes a Buffalo. How, how Bills. come that didn't? How come that didn't continue? Well, I just I stopped watching NFL to be honest with you. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, because when I was a kid, we used to get like one NFL game here a week, and that was during the run that the Bills had of like uh, four Super Bowls in a row, like losing right. four Super Bowls in a row. But they would play Bills games pretty much every week. So I became a Bills fan by proxy. You know what I mean? Like I had no choice. Oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, but I haven't watched NFL in the same way. Well, the, the, the Patriots sucked back then. Right? Yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> and the Bengals still suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Bengals still suck. They've sucked the whole time. And, and the Bills are still not winning Super Bowls. Exactly. Um, but the I, I really loved, even though I was young, I remember – that the quarterback at the time, and God, I forget his name, uh, Jim... Kelly. Right? Um, yeah. Him and the coach at the time were credited as re revolutionising attacking football because they would just go attack, attack, attack. Like, their philosophy was, if the other team scores 30 points, we'll score 35. You know, that was right. the way that they approached it. Um, but it, it it works all the way up until the Super Bowl, which is defensive. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you, yeah, absolutely. So that's that's unfortunate. And it helps cool. to have a good kicker, also. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Winning TV with a diamond. The Pats went a little flat last year. Well, I mean, it's been a dynasty for what ten years. 
which is pretty unheard of in most sports. So, like, I'm not a Pats fan, but I like the Pats because of what they've been able to achieve. And Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. And they're a pleasure to watch as a football team. It's amazing how many people just hate them. And, you know, we're going to get into the Redskins debate later on. How do you think, here's a question for you, right? For the Northeast, who is probably more prone to being at least uh, culturally more susceptible to the kind of thing like, oh, we don't want to offend people and stuff than other parts of the country may be. Do you think that if it ever comes out, the Patriots should change their name because it's racist? How many people in the Northeast will instantly uh, switch off at that point, do you think? Because I want that to now, happen. Now, I think there'd be a lot, but yep, nobody gave a shit about the Patriots 20 years ago. True. <laughs> you know, I was a Patriots fan and, 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 you know, there weren't a whole lot of other ones around. Yeah, you know, right. We had a pretty good run, but you know, I, I, the Redskins, I mean, these, this is like a legendary franchise in the NFL. Yep. I, I don't, and this is, this is something being driven by upper middle-class white people. So yes. I think the whole, the whole idea that, you know, native Americans are really this concerned about a football team's name is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, we have a candy bar here called a Redskin, and that's been changed now. And we don't even have Native Americans because <laughs> 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 it's offensive, you see, to somebody somewhere on planet Earth. If we run our lives by that logic, uh, shouldn't we just kill ourselves now? Like, like what else is there I think, to do? I think that's the that's where this ends, right? It's right. With like a <laughs> self-immolation. With for, like a for, branch for a, of our a global branch Davidian mass suicide event where you know it'll be live streamed, you know, on TV. It's like okay, so everyone take a sip now. Like, drink your cup of Kool-Aid right now, please. Yeah, uh, it'll be peak liberal. It'll peak be liberal. The convention. Ah, all right. So let's go. Um, you wanted to talk about this clip. Let's see it. Because we've had uh, Koreans on rooftops before. Now we have Caucasians on front lawns, manicured front lawns. Let's have a look here. I do like that the protesters are starting to bring a little bit of rhythm into their chants, though. I do. I genuinely like that. It's so much more entertaining. Do, 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 do. Good well, and they're wearing them. face masks, so safety first. They're socially conscious. There's nothing socially I like. Be- There's nothing I like better than revolutionaries who want to follow public health advice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm a real anarchist. Put your mask on. <laughs> it's been pointed out many times. Terrible uh, gun discipline by this fellow. You got to get that shit I, up behind the shoulder, mate. It did the trick, though. Yeah, oh yeah, it works. You know, it did the trick. I was half expecting his wife to turn it sideways to make it culturally appropriate. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you better step off, bitch. You don't look intimidated. She looks like um, a woman in a 1930s silent movie holding a gun. You know, with a hand on the hip. And like just flimsily with the weak wrist, like pointing the gun around the room. Mm, who oh, should yeah. I kill here first? Oh yeah, and and you know what's interesting about this this couple here. So I don't have any problem with what they did. If sure, a bunch of crazy people start you know marching through your front lawn, and they've been known to burn shit down when right. you've been watching them on TV. I, I'd, I'd be standing out there with a gun too. But because contrary to it, contrary to public opinion, Lucifer Sam is not against the Second Amendment. Believe it or fucking not. <laughs> no. And matter of fact, I, I actually think that more people that are for the Second Amendment should probably think about diversifying who they might vote for. That way it doesn't go away. I think when you have mm-hmm. everybody on the Second Amendment or everybody that supports the Second Amendment on one side of the fence, it's just a matter of time well, before the pendulum swings. 
I agree with that. But um, maybe you agree with me or not. I think the Democrats only have themselves to blame because they've made themselves the anti-NRA party. When I've said, you've been in my show multiple times and I've said a whole bunch of fucking Democrats are not anti-gun, right? It's it's actually like a slice of the Democrat vote, which is anti-gun. But the Democrat party establishment wanted to turn themselves into the anti-gun vote, right? Like the anti-NRA. And that's, that's going against... I think, like, their potential growth. Like, that's going against a whole section of their voting base, which is pro-gun. There are plenty of Democrats out there who are fucking pro-gun. Plenty of Democrats in the armed services as well. Yeah, there are a lot. I mean, I I know a lot of people that are left of center and like to shoot. But, you know, I think what's going on here and what makes this couple interesting is they're standing in front of their palace with their their arms. and, And so, and I've said this to you before, is I think that what's going on internally is that there's a a big class war going on that's going undiagnosed Mm -hmm. and if you saw this couple interviewed afterward they were actually talking about how they support black lives matter and if you look through their political donations they've been donating to both democrats and republicans yep and so as much as this has been painted especially by the liberals as you know look at these crazy people with guns look at these white supremacists right you know i think this is as as clear-cut a vision of of you know what this actually is this is more like 1789 france than it is <laughs> when when you sent me this clip you know the first thing that ran through my head when i saw this in my inbox because i said to um sam hey send me some stuff that you want to cover on the show he sent me this the first thing that went through my head was um eventually people will come for you you know that yeah. was that was the fucking line from exactly Mark yep yeah the and that's what, and that's what this is position. and i mean you know these these are people if you look at um I don't want to get too deep into it, but I mean, you know, most Please. of the people marching in these rallies don't have a, a lot of a future ahead nope. of them. No, that's true. I've said before that um, economic prosperity is a great way to like when everybody has the ability to make money and everybody has the ability to move up, um, you know, and improve their lot in life. You'll be amazed how much of the social pressures and the social differences fade away. Right. Like, People aren't going to be concerned about tearing down racist statues if everybody is like at least moving forward in the in the economic progression. You know what I mean? Like if everybody yeah. like sees a road out of whatever situation they're in. But for people who don't see the road out of, like it was, I think it was Dick Masterson who's a podcast host, and he had a fucking amazing quote when people were complaining. Oh, look, the rioters are looting their own Target store. Like, oh my God, how can they be so stupid? And he's like, do you think these people give a fuck? Like, no. he's like, they already live in a shithole. What, what's the difference if it's a little more shit at the end of the night? Like, it's not gonna, they don't give a fuck about that. They already live in a shit place. Like, what's yeah. the difference? They don't care, you know? Burn it all down, right? <laughs> right. So, I, and yeah. I think that's, I think the statues are partially symbolic. I mean, I think that there's a component of it that is, oh, these people are racist and whatever, but they're also, you know, taking down the statues of abolitionists and yeah. <laughs> Ulysses as Grant and stuff like that. So I think you have to kind of look deeper and say, these people just see this as part of the system that they're part of, that they hate. Right. Right. And so. Yeah. It's just a wanton destruction. It's a, it's a yeah. lashing out. Um, you sent this one through to me. I'll bring this up. I was surprised that you sent me a, a Tucker Carlson clip. I haven't watched this yet, but let's have a look and see what you sent. It's been two weeks since Atlanta police officer Garrett Rolfe was charged with murder in the killing of Rayshard Brooks. Brooks attempted to attack him with a stolen laser 
after knocking him to the ground. Taser, taser. The ordeal has been devastating for a lot of people, including Rolf's family, surprisingly. In the first days after the shooting, his stepmother, Melissa Rolf, was promised the full supporter of her employer, a company called Equity. <laughs> As a longtime watch, uh, watcher of sports globally, anytime you get the full support of the board, you know that you're about to lose your job, right? <laughs> Prime Mortgage. Just as a general rule of thumb. Mortgage texted her as much directly. Here's the quote. Feedback has been positive with support for many black folks. I'm going to send a message letting folks know you are dealing with a personal situation and we are granting you time to deal with it. We continued this way, quote, I feel for you, Garrett, dad, and the rest. In time, you'll be back when this settles, when this settles for you. Mm. That turned out to be a lie. Yes, Just days course. later, the company fired Rolf with this robotic message, quote, we have to terminate our relationship with you. Nice, huh? Nice. So why did you send this one through to me? So, I, you know, this is the mob, right? This is... This is sort of when the mob goes too far, you've got people that are just associated with people they have an issue with are now bad by association. And I mean, that's about as mentally ill as it gets. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine throwing a parent in jail for something their child did or their brother or sister or something else. And it, it kind of speaks to the original you know, the division that you have on the left and the right. And I think it's, you know, I think it's gone out of control. I, I, I think the goal on the, the left right now seems to be to hunt down every racist and destroy them. And I don't, I'll be honest with you. So personally, I don't consider myself racist, but I don't have any problem with anyone who is. I mean, whatever your experiences are and whatever you believe, that's your business. Yep. And I don't, I don't, I don't think it has <clears throat> anything to do with government on, you know, having a say in what you think. I can tell you, I right? can tell you a personal anecdote. I was in a bar once and I was telling uh, an Aboriginal joke to my friends, right? And one of the regulars that I know is an Aboriginal guy who was in the bar at the next table. Now, we knew each other, but we weren't friends or anything. We just saw each other at the same bar for like five years, right? Um, so there's a there is a level of respect with regulars at a bar, if you know what I mean. Like you know you know the faces that you see in there all the time, right? So um, yeah. I was telling an Aboriginal joke, and one of the, my friends at the table went, "Hey, shh, 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 that guy's Aboriginal," and I was like, "Oh, that guy's Aboriginal, is he?" And he looked over and smiled at me, and I said, "Don't worry, they tell jokes about white cunts all the time." And he fucking laughed. And then we spent the rest of the night telling each other racist jokes. Like he would tell a white joke, I would tell an Aboriginal joke, and so on and so forth. And both tables were fucking laughing. Right? So like oh, I don't I don't know that I can do this podcast anymore. <laughs> but I, that, but I, I see your point, right? Um, what you were talking about, like, you know, I don't consider myself a racist, but it seems like we're going around hunting people down. My real world experiences as a blue collar person like in my life have been like, I've never been accused of racism either, unless it comes from people with fucking college educations who have probably never mixed with the kind of blue collar uh, people that I've mixed with my entire working life. You never, know what I mean? Never. They have no concept that that's, you know, one of the things that I sent you, I don't know if you, you know, was talking about where money has gone over the last 20 years. Yep. And so, you know, Al Gore in 2000 won 659 counties. And Bush won 2,397 counties. But right. the 659 that Al Gore won comprised 54% of GDP. So if you add up all the transactions going on in the country, 54% of the activity happened in that those 659 counties. And you can look at that and say, you know, it's a problem or maybe it's not a problem because some of these other counties were less populous. But mm -hmm. if you go to 2016, uh, Hillary Clinton, so let's say the Democrats went from 659 59 counties won to 472 counties won mm -hmm. but instead of making up 54 percent you're you're 
25% less counties made up 65% of total GDP. Yeah, right. So, and so these people she, have developed She boasted about that, by the way. She bragged about that after the yeah, election Yeah, I mean, lost. there's a lot of people. Well, and that's the, the, so this is the disease that I think you see on the left is that there is this belief in meritocracy, which I'm not against in theory, but I think they've got to the point where they believe their own bullshit and they mm -hmm. think we are the smartest people in the world and therefore you have to choose us because... You know, and you see a lot of this manifesting in sort of the hatred for Dr. Fauci or some of these yep. other doctors that make themselves look like idiots. Yep. Well, see, I I don't know. I I tend I, I agree in part, but I tend to think that the uh, at least the at least the promoted outrage from the left is so fickle that it's barely worth um, our time of day because Fauci will be a hero. Like it's we've seen this so many times, Sam. Uh, there will be a hero of the left, and the second that they say the quote-unquote wrong thing, then they instantly become a villain. And it's like, well, we can't treat – you can't claim to be all for, like, intellectual superiority and then not be able to handle uh, information which runs contrary to your original baked-in belief. You know what I mean? Like, that oh, yeah. doesn't compute with me. So when they say, like, oh, this guy, you need to pay attention to this guy. And to be fair, the right does it as well. The right does it all the time, but they do it in reverse. So they think someone's a lefty until the person says something that's, like, pro-Republican, and then they're like, oh, he's our new hero, you know what I mean? And then he'll go back to saying something lefty. It's like, oh, fuck this guy, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's just the, that's the tribalism that we're in today, and I don't think it's exclusive to this country, right? It's no, it's every, every Western country. democracy right now. Yep. Is it, where, where do you think it comes from? Like, do you... I'm wondering because you and I we we have a different idea about like we agree like with the cause uh, we don't agree with the cause we agree with like the observable consequences of where we are now. Uh, I tend to think you put economics above culture and I put culture above economics, but that's just you know by the by. I do, and I, I you know because I think that's where it flows from. If you take this example I was telling you before, where mm -hmm. with Al Gore and Bush it was kind of split the GDP, and then with Clinton and Trump it wasn't. Yep. You know, all of the, if you have money, then all of the institutions in the country are going to serve you. And I think you see that now in this Redskins bullshit is most of the people in the country, I can't imagine give a rat's ass if the Redskins change their name or not. I just can't imagine mm. that that's true, right? But the people who hold uh, positions in these corporations who are going to have contracts with FedEx and everything, they do. And yeah. so FedEx comes out and says, hey, you got to change your name. Why? Because our customers think you should. And in my opinion, that's the core of cancel culture also. Yep. Right? The money, so the money they, aspect. Right. It's just, hey, you know, we're going to write you off completely. You're not worth it. And unfortunately, you know, there's an axiom on the Democratic side that I don't agree with, which is that, you know, uh, in, you kind of saw this when Hillary was running for president is that, you know, she's so experienced. She's so technically capable as if, you know, being the president is akin to flying the space shuttle. And I don't think that, morals and intelligence have anything to do with each other matter of fact uh, i think it's been proven that people with higher intelligence are less moral will throw their will throw their morals away that's right. faster than somebody who isn't and i think when you're talking about politics you need to have some people that share the morality of the most of the country and unfortunately the democrats aren't that i mean they, this is like a well a nobility <clears throat> that has swelled and we're now in this situation where there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians in this. And see, but that's you know, that's where you give my argument an opening, see, when we're talking about the morality of the country, I will say that cultural forces have been eating away at that for the better part of five or six decades, which now leads us to a point here now in 2020 where 
I think a lot of this stuff stems from um, the the Western nations no longer know who they are, and if they know who they are, they hate who they are, and that's what causes. Well, let me, let you me know, ask that's you: what if, fuels if, it, if, right? if that culture had been rewarded financially, do you think it would be different at this point? Because I, uh, I actually think it would have been. Well, I, I think it depends on what we reward because now cancel, uh, cancel culture gets rewarded, right? That like we're rewarding the people who want to cancel stuff. We're rewarding the companies because we're threatening them with like a, in basic internal economic sanction unless they do what we want because we hate ourselves. Absolutely. I, but I actually think it's a, so I don't think it's because they hate themselves. I actually think it's the opposite. I think it's a narcissistic supply. I think it's because could, they love themselves. Be. Yeah, it could be and like so manifesting they're, they're as like self-loathing. Right. Right. And their religion is meritocracy, right? Is that the people who, who are up there deserve it and they deserve it because they did really well in school. Mm. Right. That, that's sort of the, the underlying yeah. mentality of the Democrats. That was one I, of the I, dumbest attacks on, on Donald Trump that they had back in 2016. Remember when Trump came out and said, I love the uneducated. Now the Democrats came out and said, oh, look at, look at him, look at him. He's saying he loves dumb people. And it's like, hang on, do you realize the subtext to this? <laughs> like, do you not understand that um, people who work in blue collar jobs, unemployed people, and whatnot actually really, really dislike people with degrees telling them that they're stupid. Like, do you they, not see? They don't, they don't understand, though. That's the thing. <laughs> they should, that because they that's do, their They base. don't understand. And, and in my opinion, that's what the Democrats are supposed to be. So, like, the way it's set up now, where you have Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden and these neoliberals who are, in my opinion, you know, the problem with the country is that you've had the left go completely crazy on social issues. I mean, it, it's yep. totally nuts. Yep. And then you've had both the right and the left go way to the right on fiscal issues. So like, you know, the, the, the Democrats have kind of used the Republican ideology to, to believe this nonsense about themselves is that, you know, we have all this money right in California and these different cities because yep. we deserve it. Yeah. And so we've earned, I this. think that's where the core of the, yeah, exactly. And let me tell you, I, I know a lot of these people and, um, you know, being blue collar or white collar doesn't have shit to do with how smart you are. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, you, you have people that are going to college simply because of, you know, who their parents were or whatever. And then they meet some people. It's not because these are the hardest working, brilliant people you're going to find. And then a lot of times now, I think you get this point where it's just self-reinforcing, right? These liberals, they just want to, they want to outdo each other and how woke they are. Right. Yeah, and that's that's where the narcissism comes from because it's I, wearing a badge. Like, look at all the look at all the look at all the scout camp badges I earned this weekend. I got that guy cancelled. Exactly. I got that guy cancelled. Look at how fucking good I am, and it's become something to brag about. Like, it's like um, <clears throat> people giving their children ridiculous names. It's I think a lot of that. It's about them. It's not about the kid. It's about so they can say to their other very very progressive friends, "Oh, I named my child um, Apple Crust." fucking stargazer you're like oh my god that's so amazing you know because they're equally vacuous friends find value in that whereas the kid absolutely the kid has to grow up with that like they don't give a fuck about that you sent this through um which i found really interesting economic distress indicators for all u.s zip codes <clears throat> now share of the population residing in distressed zip codes so i i, I, I do want to know though what counts do, have you gone into these numbers what counts as economic distress though like that's an important definition to make right yeah, I mean, they have a they show you their whole algorithm if you dig deeper into it. Okay. I don't know it off the top of my head, but it okay, was so poverty rate, money vacancy flowing. rate, no high school diploma, adults not working, change in employment, change in business. I'll just go through a few of these diamonds because I've missed a few. Sorry, Sam. Uh, Zara of Rock said the only one true dynasty in the NFL is the Packers. I don't, I, I cannot confirm or disconfirm that. 
Uh, Mr. of Fun Kimmy said, Kimmy's a big fan. Lucifer Sam is also actually Lucifer. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> and Ben K. Veritas said, hello, Sam Boogs. Thanks for this conversation. Well, you're most welcome. Thanks, Sam, for coming hey, on. Hey, what's up, Ben K.? Ben K. Veritas. So share of population residing in distressed zip codes. A lot of deep south there. A lot of deep south in the bright red. Uh, the northwest appears to be doing better than just about anyone. And the midwest doing better than everybody else. But I found this fascinating. So if you actually go down major metro areas with the greatest concentration of residents in distressed zip codes, Bakersfield, California, 50% of the population there has, uh, is in what they would call economic distress. And the population of the, uh, the percentage of the population with a bachelor's degree or higher is 15%. And if you look at all of these numbers, so we go to Birmingham, Alabama, nearly 30% of the population has a degree. Uh, Jacksonville, Mississippi, uh, Jackson, Mississippi, pardon me, 30%. Uh, in Ohio, in Youngtown, I don't know that place, 20%. In Tucson, Arizona, 30% of the population. In Memphis, Tennessee, 25% of the population. So maybe you have a different take on this, but to me, that screams, that smacks off people getting useless degrees. Yeah, that's a big part of it. I mean, we th that's a huge part of it. I mean, we are graduating way too many people from college, and I'm not sure I would say that they're getting quite the well-rounded education it used to be either because yep. there's so much money flowing into these schools and, mm. and I'll be the first to admit a lot of it's been with public money but they've just they're just resorts now I mean I don't mm. you know the the purpose of the college is to reinforce the existing beliefs it's not to you know open people up to different ideas I mean I, you know I consider myself a liberal and when I say that that means that I accept all other viewpoints to be part of the conversation. Yep. Right. I don't draw the line and say, no, 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 you can't participate. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, I, I, I'm like, we're in the same boat on the, in that sense, you know, here in Australia, I, I would historically vote in favor of the liberal party. Now to American audiences, that sounds like, oh, he must be a fucking Democrat guy. It's like, well, no, not really. Here, the liberal means, you know, uh, it's conservative, it's libertarian, it's classical liberal. The other side of that is the party run by the union movement. Uh, which is the Labor Party, which is like semi-socialist, right? So, right. you know, I, I get that. Um, it's a, it's a, we've been over this many times before. It's amazing how the term liberal itself has been raped into non-existence, and it really yeah, doesn't mean you. anything anymore. Really, I agree with you. Yeah. So, so, and unfortunately, here it's just a dichotomy. You have two different sides, and that's what you pick from. And unfortunately, you know, I, if you look at this map, I don't think the Republicans have done shit for the South personally. And the, by the same token, I don't think. Uh, the Democrats have done shit for, you know, black or Mexican families either. So, well, yeah. you know, it, it just, these are just the people that are being sold to. And you can see that all of them are in distress and they're all angry. Mm -hmm. They're all, you know, marching in the streets for some reason or another. Right. And I think that this trajectory we're on, where this keeps going, you know, crazy, where does it end? Yeah. Well, it's funny to me that, you know, as an outsider looking in, like it looks to me just by looking at this map, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, right? It looks to me like because those red areas are the areas with the highest uh, population uh, grouping of, say, African-American voters, right? So you have the Democrats saying that we will take care of African-American voters. We need to do the best thing for African-American voters. And the bulk of these distressed peoples are in Republican-held states. So... Like does then right, the cynical they, but, part but you of see, me in the liberal mind in the liberal mind they don't deserve help, right? Because they're in Republican states. Well, I because they're they're too uncouth and unrefined. I mean, you know, the the whole idea about a labor movement is that labor isn't woke, right? Like yep. most of the people that work blue collar jobs, it's the man that's going to work and Correct. you know 
a lot of times the woman stays home. And so it is sort of patriarchal. But if you start talking about, you know, positions at the Harvard University uh, economics department or, mm -hmm. or women's studies department or something, it's a totally different thing. Yeah, you, it's not often you see, um, you know, a, an upper middle class white female working on a road crew or doing removals or cleaning fucking um, septic tanks, right? You don't see that very right. often. And Jordan Peterson used to talk about this. It's th there's a flaw in the logic, and it's pretty bare if you just look at it. I mean, the the idea is that because we look at all these powerful positions, because those people happen to be white, therefore all white people are powerful. Mm -hmm. And it, clearly, it doesn't work that way, right? I mean, there's well, listen. I don't, I don't. I'm not a politician, but I've been told plenty of times where you know I have to be kind to Nancy Pelosi, right, <laughs> and respect her as a female, as if because she's a, she's a female. Like, well, Right. And it's like, well, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm nobody. Right. And I'm looking at this woman who's been in the leadership since I was in high school. Yeah. Like, and you're going to tell me that she's the victim. It, it's so funny because um, I remember one of the first interactions I had with you and which maybe again, like a lot of people don't get these kinds of interactions because you're, um, you know, you're very forward in asking direct questions and stuff and they don't like it for some reason, maybe. But one of the first interactions I had with you was we both agreed that Nancy Pelosi is uh, legitimately on record the most unpopular Democratic uh, House Speaker of all time. Like that's a, that's a fact. Like, yes, fact. Um, and we both and agreed when she that. Was last, and when she was last, you know, and this is what I was saying to other Democrats is that when she was, you know, the last time she was the Speaker of the House, they lost more seats than ever. Correct. So, so stop telling me how this person is a 3D you know, chess mastermind. She's, I don't believe that. She's not. I think she's a very cunning politician where she can have her position despite being hated by most people. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, but yeah. That's what makes her a good politician. We also agree that uh, Barack Obama was terrible for the economy because he bailed yeah. out the big fucking banks. And that's, and that's where so much of this started. And ironically, you know, I, I try to talk to people about this and I really don't get anywhere, but... Mm -hmm. You know, I, I say that, you know, what he did with the central bank, most people don't understand how the central bank works, but, you know, you have two different, you have taxes where, you know, the money will come directly out of your paycheck, but then you have the Federal Reserve who could just print money, right? They could mm -hmm. just create it out of thin air. And that effectively works as a tax on you also. Yep. Right. And so, you know, the Democrats, they seem to be content with, you know, when it's the just economy, a tax, it's just the, a tax that your great grandchildren have to pay as opposed to you. You just kick the can down the street, right? Yeah. And I mean, it just devalues your money. And I mean, I don't want to say government is the, is, is, by the way, this isn't government. The federal reserve is technically a private organization, Correct. Um, but the government has quite a bit of influence on them. And, and Trump's strategy is exactly the same. So unfortunately, when I start looking at these economic things, I think something like 80% of the um, private equity goes to five cities in the United States. Yep. Right. So like, why aren't we investing in some of these other States where, you know, you can have a nice life in the suburbs, you can have some yeah. land and, there's none of that because it's all going to LA and New York. And, and a lot of that is because these interest rates are so low that if a company wants to make money, they don't have to like, you know, back in the day, they'd have to have R and D. They'd come out with a product. People would buy mm -hmm. it and that's how you get going. But now you can leverage a buyout with, you know, free money basically. And so all you're going to do is consolidate and consolidate and then cut costs because that's a quicker way to profitability. And we're reaching the end of that. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. We're like, living no... in the shadow of, um, uh, unfortunately, it pains me to say it, but like all the factors, all of the available uh, economic, you and I both read Zero Hedge, so I think we're kind of on the same page when it comes well, to he, like he blocked me, but <laughs> but I still but I still read the guy, right? But I think we're living in the shadow of what was once like a very proud sort of like uh you know entrep entrepreneurial uh flair 
in Western civilization, which now it becomes more about uh, hijacking trends and uh, releasing very subpar products and cutting, you know, cutting workers out of the equation as, as best as you possibly can. You know, there's a whole range of factors here. Um, you yeah, sent me a video. Cheaper. Yeah, right, exactly. Just let me just let me just add one quick thing. So we're talking. What you're talking about is when you could do more with less. That's productivity, right? So yep. the productivity of the United States has really increased since 1970. I mean, it's gone haywire. But the wages that people earn have gone nowhere in that same time. So the the working people, and this is I'm talking the blue collar people, have not seen their share of national productivity. Meanwhile white collar jobs have seen more than their share, which is why they don't want to get rid of globalism and the like, because That's it's right. really well, a great moneymaker. In, a, in, a, in the real economic depression, like in the real revolution that's coming, like in, you know, it's going to be in our lifetimes. It's going to be the white collar guys who are hit the hardest, I think, because they're the ones, that's where the, most of the fat is now, in my opinion. That's where you can you trim. A, well, that's where you can trim away a lot of these like auxiliary jobs. Like uh, for instance, that particular government worker won't need an assistant when there's no money. Right? Oh right, like shit, yeah. like that. Um, when when we come to like um AI and stuff, uh, you know the robot revolution, if you want to call it that, a lot of the jobs on people see uh, images of Wall Street, like in the movies, where there's all these people on the trading floor screaming and sharing. That's that doesn't look like it's not real. The real no. Wall Street is done by computer servers, and the people Algo. move their buildings next door to Wall Street so they can be like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a second quicker on their transactions than the guy yes. down the road. Absolutely right. Yeah, it's all. So you yeah. sent me this. I thought. Oh, pardon me. Uh, you sent me this clip. <clears throat> I want to share this. Uh, Jordan Peterson versus Mark Blythe on the iPhone, and I'm so glad you sent this to me because this is great. Um, I like Jordan Peterson. I don't have anything against Jordan Peterson, but I tend to think that psychology very, very good. Economics, eh, not so, not so good. Um, yeah, and to, as a disclaimer, I really like Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson also. So sure. this was just an interesting conversation. Sure. Let's have a look here. Uh, Jordan Peterson and then uh, return comment from Mark Blythe. And I think that a few people in the audience will be like, oh, wow, I didn't, I never thought of it like that. And Mark Blythe is very good for that kind of thing. Western capitalism in particular is the only culture that has embraced the acceptance of people. Yeah, right like transgender people, people who are gay, people who are marginalized. Uh, I mean, Western capitalist society is one of the very few cultures that openly abhors racism. Right, right, right. Well, and these people are anti-capitalist on their iPhones. You're anti-capitalist, bucko. <laughs> right, you don't get to do that, right? It's, it's a performative contradiction. That's so, that's so important. Yeah, they're on their iPhones while they're flying. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, like well, I'm anti-capitalist. It's like, well, actually, no, you're not. You're just deeply now, confused. A example of this, if you forgive me, it's this guy. This is Mark Blythe. How many of you have got this guy in uh, your pocket? Mark Blythe is a professor of uh, economics, uh, p political economics. I think it's it's the term. Yeah, I think Brown he started University. out as an economist and moved to political science. Right. Okay. Lovely, isn't it? It's kind of brilliant, right? He's holding and an even iPhone when you take for the, the dumbass case audience. that I've got because I drop things all the time. It looks great, right? So Steve Jobs is a genius. How many of the technology, the six critical technologies in this thing, how many of them does Steve invent? Zero. Can you mention, do you know any of them, sir? You seem to know this story. Touchscreens, exactly. Who invented touchscreens? United States Air Force, taxpayer dollars called Lodestar, TCPIP, DARPA, secure communications in the event of a nuclear attack. 
backbone <laughs> of the internet. What else have we got? GPS, United States Navy Global Positioning Satellites. You're seeing a pattern here. You paid for all this stuff. Where's your equity share? You didn't get it. We just gave it to the private sector. Because entrepreneurs are so awesome. Yeah, when they put it in a shiny box and we all go gaga. But there is definitely value in this, because if you left it to a bunch of geeks in Bell Labs, they would never have thought of this. I mean, that's the honest truth. Right? <laughs> you actually need these people to turn it into commercial products. That's how capitalism works. We were doing this in the 19th century. But here's the difference. Where is this made? And about 12 other countries. Now, here's the interesting thing about the global supply chain that makes this possible, from the touchscreen to the chips to the plastic to everything. You can go on a website and calculate how much of this component is probably made by slave labor. Right? Disturbing but true. Because even Apple, who actually are a good company despite their tax dodging bullshit, they really actually try and clean out the supply chains, work with reputable factories, they're not into exploiting the workers. Done, that's not their gig. But they can switch production from one Indonesian manufacturer to a Taiwanese manufacturer overnight and get the specs online in three days. Scary. What do you think the margins of those companies are? <laughs> so what do you think the profits of Apple are? How much of the profitability of this resides in China at the end of the day? Six cents in the dollar. This is what Donald's upset about. 40 cents still goes to Cupertino. Right off bat. Now, where do they put their taxes? And they pay an effective rate of 0.02%. <laughs> In the 1970s, corporates used to pay 20% of taxes. Today, they pay 2%. Who's filling in the gap? So there you go. Now, uh, yeah, I want to get your thoughts on this, but before I shift it over to you, Sam, if I could, um, I need to explain that I come from a place where I don't, I don't like taxation full stop. Um, but I'm not somebody who is completely devoid of logic and reason in so much as, I mean, look at the world around you. Unfortunately, um, people are not going to pay for, like, especially in today's culture, people are not going to pay for, uh, like, the military and the police and the fire brigade, for example, with charity. <laughs> like, that's, that's probably not going to happen as much as it pains me to say it. But taxation itself, for me, I, I would much rather see... Um, the government take like 0.1% of all bank transactions. That would be far better. But then, of course, the banks wouldn't be very happy with that, would they? So, you know. Um, well, they, well, they wouldn't. But if you're talking about the banks, it's interesting to know about, you know, there's a certain amount of financialization in the economy, right? Like how yep. much when the banks make a loan, living how much on debt? that is their Yeah, how much is that is their profit? Yep. And right now it's about 15%. They get about a 15% uh, commission to to, yeah. to do their thing, which to me is insane. Yeah, people right? want, people and, want and, to bag out the Muslims, but I'll give you one thing that the Muslims are very good at: they don't they don't tolerate usury. <laughs> so yeah. you know, there's no there's no like interest rate loans and shit in the uh, Islamic world. If you buy a house, like just say the house is three hundred and fifty thousand, and you need to borrow the money for that, they will calculate the total of the loan, uh, the the interest, and put that on the price. So you pay it up front. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so you yeah. need to borrow the whole interest and everything. We don't, we're not going to uh, slug you and then change the interest rates 10 years from now, 20 years from now, blah, 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 blah. Well, the good news is that we're going to have negative interest rates soon. Oh, goody. <laughs> so, Does that mean so, I get money you know, back or? 
yeah well i mean really that's what that means right if you if you theoretically if you bought a house and you know you had a negative interest rate at the end of the life of the loan you'd pay less than the original purchase price of the house yeah but unfortunately the the original purchase price of the house by the time we get to the end of the loan in that situation it's going to be worth about two hundred thousand dollars less than i paid for it (laughs) yeah well maybe i mean you know that so maybe i mean you you know you can also have deflation show up and so one of the problems that we have in this this economy now is when we talk about interest rates at zero percent the reason all of this has been done is to effectively take all of the money in in american savings accounts and throw it onto the field so that it's you know participating in the economy and be you know we have the system that's set up on the idea of perpetual growth yep and so the idea of a negative interest rate is you can still have a five hundred thousand dollar transaction right now even though at the end of the day it'll only add up to you know 450 and you can see that this is a trend that's a problem. I don't. I don't think you have to be, you know, an economist to know that it, at some point the the music stops, and we're very, very close to that point. Mm-hmm. And so, at that point, will it be inflation or will it be deflation? It, it's an interesting question. But I know one thing: putting your money in a savings account is useless. Yeah, well, yeah, because it won't be worth much eventually. Um, like yeah. the the meme of burying your money in the backyard actually has some merit <laughs> you know uh, it get, turn it into gold basically you know um <clears throat> my old man he didn't have a credit card until he was in his 50s oh and, yeah that's and, a like, recent phenomenon yeah i i got well i grew up like after it was long after credit cards were around he just refused 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 and every time like my mum would ask him you know we need a credit card get a credit card blah 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 he would turn to me and say don't ever get one I, I, I still don't have a credit card to this day. I have a debit card. I don't need a fucking credit card. Um, right. Uh, and he was like, once once you're on that credit train, once you're on that fucking bandwagon, it'll never stop. It'll never stop. He ended up getting one later on in life because he got a business. And guess what? Guess what you need to um, have to run your own business? You need to be yeah, able to get, you've got to have some credit history. So that's the only reason that he had it. He got sucked in. He, he still hated the fact that he had to get one, mind you. And he's the kind of guy who always like paid it off as soon. He just used it for credit history and paid it off as soon as he bought something, right? So he never right. had to pay. Um, this is interesting. Actually, t- how about this? Because we're on the economy. I want to so play. I've been, Go I've ahead. been following this guy for a long time. So Peter Turchin is a, he's a guy out of the University of uh, Connecticut, I think. Yep. And he, um, he studies, he, he does like a mathematical approach to history and he just kind of looks at, you know, he takes a long view, right? Yeah. Thousands of years of view. And he says, what are the trends? Is he Chinese? <laughs> He's not Chinese. <laughs> well, it sounds like it because <laughs> we view everything in four year cycles. The Chinese no, view everything do, yeah. in hundred year cycles. But anyway. Right. Oh, go so ahead. His, his theory is that, you know, and I think you can see it happening now is that, you know, to, to sum it up in a quick sentence it's just a tribe with uh, too many chiefs and not enough indians mm. and so what his idea is that eventually you get these elitists who you know they believe they have a right to this life of nobility working white collar jobs and when the opportunities aren't there the way they wanted to they start you know gathering people to try to help them fight you know the other side and i think you see a lot of that in our politics now is you have rich republicans fighting rich democrats but yeah. i don't know that any of them really give a shit about their constituents. Oh, and they don't give a shit about the um the ideology that they purport to represent. Ideologies no, are for poor not. people, Sam. Yeah. They're for us, you know. Yeah, and and by the way, I, I would actually so like to me, and people freak out when I say this because people have gotten so used to calling anything liberal a socialist, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think the 
ruling class of the Democrats is socialist at all. I think no. if they were anything, they have a very libertarian tinge because they think the market will put resources in the right people's right. hands and the I, other people don't deserve it. You get a lot of blowback for that. And I get what you're saying, right? I get the sentiment, but where people like, <clears throat> you know, more libertarian people get really offended by that. And I can see where they're coming from too, because they would, the first thing I would, I would put to you regulation. So like the, 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 the Democrats are far more uh, regulatory, at least of late, like more regulations. We need to regulate private businesses. We need to regulate the economy, regulate, regulate, regulate. And that's a very anti-libertarian uh, stance. But then yeah, that, but that plays into the thing. Really, I, so I don't really think that they think that. Right. But that's what the, they do, though. Well, I don't think that they do that either, really. I mean, well, I, come on, I, we're, ban we're banning we're banning plastic straws in California. How can it be any more regulatory than what you put well, in your own mouth? That, I mean, I'm, <laughs> okay, so you know, I think that's some sort of social conscious thing. But I, as far as you know, still a regulation on the economy, I, though. I Somebody made plastic I, straws. I mean, let me put it this way: they're not necessarily looking to make sure that when interest rates are so low, these banks don't over leverage themselves again. Right. So, so like to me, that's you know it just weighted higher. Like, I don't think, I don't like paper straws. I think they're ridiculous. And they uh, they're terrible. But, <laughs> right. But, but I look at, you know, this issue of uh, the banking is just having a larger effect. So I'm focused on that one. Right. Okay. Um, well, let's play this clip that you sent through. Um, I've played this guy before, actually, when uh, this guy is a former, um, I think he's, is he the former head of development or something for Facebook? Yeah, he was one of the early Facebook guys. That's how right. he made his money. Okay. And he's he's been on a tour like over the last three or four years, and most people have been ignoring him to their peril, in my opinion, um, just about like how invasive Facebook actually is like on daily life and the psychology and stuff. Uh, I actually had an article in the, in the works that Jim Enward sent through. I'll just quickly bring this up for a bit of context. Facebook to change advertising policy as European giants pull ads. For so for so many things, right? Uh, this this kind of brings your your worldview and my worldview together, um, like the money versus the culture, right? Um, it's like a chicken and an egg thing. Uh, shares of Facebook and Twitter dropped sharply Friday after European giant Unilever, behind brands such as Ben and Jerry's ice cream, Dove soap, said it will halt U.S. advertising on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram through at least the end of the year. Now, the subtext to that is, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen. Two companies have the ability to tank and take. They took $56 billion collectively of value out of Facebook and Twitter just by saying they're not going to advertise on Facebook and Twitter. Now, at that point, like I know we all have criticisms of Facebook and Twitter. We all uh, view Facebook and Twitter with very skeptical eyes, especially in this audience. But at what point does that become, well, these companies are activists and they're tanking um, another company because they won't ban Donald Trump, right? Because they, what do you think they're having? What do you think the conversations are in the boardrooms of Facebook and Twitter? They they are would be legitimately saying, how long can we go without censoring Donald Trump before our company loses all of its value based on yeah. our advertisers, and right? I, it's built on the advertising model. I don't think it's about Donald Trump. Yeah, exactly. It's built on the advertising model. At the end of the day, Facebook's real product is their stock price, mm -hmm. right? So that's what they're in service to all the time. So, and this is where I, I keep saying this is more of a libertarian sort of thing. So in my views as a liberal, one of the dangers of letting private industry just run rampant is eventually they become the government. And I think we see a little bit of that with Twitter. Yep. I think we see a little bit of that with Facebook. And so 
in my opinion, your democratic vote is the only thing you can stop and say, no, this is ridiculous. Right. But if you don't have that, if you're only speaking with money, you've been canceled. And my, my counter to that from the libertarian side of the argument will be, well, it hasn't, um, we, we have like, we have allowed governments to construct these monoliths. So Facebook and Twitter and stuff, the access to market for like an up and coming new company is practically, uh, it's practically impossible to, to traverse, right? Like just to rent service space, you're looking at like $2 million a month. Now, oh, yeah. that's, I mean, that's the least of it, right? So there's, there's a whole, I think it's, it's never just one or the other. I think we both agree on that, right? It's never just one thing or the other. It's a tinge of this in that aspect, and it's a tinge well, of that I mean, in that, so, that aspect. So in my opinion, the only thing that can change it is a democratic vote. You can't change this with dollars. Right. Right? Because the dollars are what's happening now. Mm. Right? So they're they're in service to their stock price. They're in service to these advertisers. You know, uh, the Washington Redskins are in service to their sponsors. And and how many, and, how many uh, members of Congress are taking donations from Google, for example? Oh, yeah. They all are. And Google's going to play both sides of the fence, right? Yep. And that's just what they do. But at the end of the day, if you ask just like me, the like, Rothschilds. You know, we, <laughs> right. We can get caught up in, you know, what does this justice think of abortion or not? And, and if you just table that stuff for a minute, yep. at the end of the day, you know, a conservative appointed justice is going to uphold Facebook doing whatever they want. It's going to uphold Twitter doing whatever they want. Yep. So I, I try to say, hey, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> right. This is what these people are there for. And I, I think that, you know, when I talk to a lot of, MAGA people, and I do talk to a lot of MAGA people, is that I, I think we're on the same side with this. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, uh, you'd be amazed how many angry DMs I got from Trump supporters when I played the uh, press conference or when I played the video of him with the heads of Microsoft, Apple, Google, and Amazon and saying, oh, Google is MAGA. Google is MAGA. And I was like, look right. at this. Look at this shit here. Like, why is he patting these people on the back? Because it's big business. And unfortunately, people look at Silicon Valley and they say there's a whole bunch of liberals there. They live there and they're just, you know, pushing their values. But it, it's really just a service to the dollar. That, mm -hmm. That's the way I see it. They don't really care what anyone's ideology is as long as it no. creates a profit. Well, I mean, look at San Francisco, for example. You've got the hub of the tech world basically in the same city where people live in their own shit, like just outside yeah. the city limits. So. Oh, I, I, I used to live there. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, a, a good mate of mine, Greeno, you know him. Um, his favorite city in the United States was San Francisco. And I said, oh, really? Which parts did you go to? And he said, just the rich white parts. <laughs> yeah. So well, they're not separated by much. I'll say that. But, um, you know, San Francisco is a weird place where you have, you know, and by the way, they were having uprisings yeah, the top and the bottom San Francisco of... 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Exactly. Was, Google was bussing people around and the, the people that lived there were throwing rocks at them. Unfortunately... If you wanted to rent a one-bedroom apartment in San Francisco, it would cost you $5,000 today. Yeah, so. you have to work for Google to do it. Right, exactly. All right, so let's have a look at this clip from uh, Chamath. Good luck on the, on the surname. Sorry, sir. And I think we all agree with you that more money for Main Street is needed. Maybe not in spite of the, the money to all of these companies or whatever that make up the economy as well. That more money is, is, is needed everywhere perhaps. Um, but are, are you suggesting, you keep saying propping up zombie companies. Are, are, you, are you arguing to let airlines, for example, fail? Um, yes. If I can interject, yes. Yes, what's the problem? I thought, I thought we all agreed here that too big to fail was a bad thing. Like, and this where, is capitalism, right? That's how capitalism works. 
No. <laughs> Capital. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. We well, agree. I'm saying that businesses yeah. fail. I mean, if you if exactly. You a situation yeah. Yeah. Where businesses. Can't I thought. Fail, I thought you. I thought you were being sarcastic and saying propping up big companies is how capitalism works. No, of course that's not how. No. It no. Works. Well, that's what we've led to, been led to believe it. Yeah. Since when? Works, but, yeah. <laughs> the one of the funny things that I like I point to is that like and Dan Bongino like you know like the big sort of neocon voices on the internet and stuff like the big podcasters so ben, Dan Bongino is a prime example of a guy who's spent the last 4 years right and I I don't mind Dan Bongino don't get me wrong he's fine but he is what he is okay so he is a, like a neocon kind of guy he will mm-hmm. give lip service to like oh we got to get rid of the establishment and stuff but then look at who he supports right so um so he's a guy who spent the last four years, probably the last fucking 15 years, being angry about Barack Obama bailing out the banks. And then when Donald Trump came out with a plan to bail out the big airlines, he's like, oh, Silent. yeah, we're, save- we're saving yeah. the fucking industry here. <laughs> and it's like, well, hang on. Do, do you not see how fucking hypocritical this is? Like, right. And you, you know, this is deeper in the, in the idea of America. This is both parties too, right? The idea that if the investors have their assets lose money, uh-huh. that that will be a risk to the economy because those people won't spend as much money, mm-hmm. which to me is just totally fucking insane, right? It's yeah. like we have to keep these people rich with public money. Otherwise, they won't buy stuff for us to work for. Yeah. I just don't know how that makes any sense. Yeah, if you, if you actually let like the big uh, monolithic airlines die, like we're just using airlines as an example, maybe some hyper-intelligent super um you know super ingenuity of entrepreneurial guy who takes a zero percent interest loan will come up with a way to make air travel fucking cheaper and um efficient for everybody right like we're, we're denying right. that guy entry into the marketplace the longer we keep the big companies in absolutely absolutely so like if you want to invest right let's just say you want to buy a share of stock in mm-hmm. american airlines or something so American Airlines, they made a whole bunch of money, you know, a couple of years ago, and then they took all that money. And instead of keeping it for a rainy day, they spent it on buying their own stock back so that they could increase that value, right? Because right. the product is the stock price, not the airline flight, yep. right? Well, yeah, that's, so be, that's behavioral. They, sorry to interrupt, but that's I've, I've gone over this so many times. That's behavioral economics. Like, so... Uh, the power of it, right? It's expectation that actually makes a company worth something. So, um, and Trump does this. He's a business guy. He knows. So when, like, so for example, if he says, if Donald Trump was to come out and say, hey, look at this company, they're doing great things. They're doing tremendous things. And their share price is one cent. Just by him saying that, their share price will go up to a dollar. And then what happens is people in the marketplace go, wow, this company went from one cent to a dollar in a week. I better invest in it. And then it goes up to $10. And then more people are like, wow, it went from one cent to a dollar to $10. We need to invest in it. All of a sudden, the company is now worth 10 times what it was, and they haven't actually done anything. Yeah, it's a Ponzi scheme. And so actually, it's interesting, not necessarily in this interview, but there is another interview with Chamath here where he talks about how Silicon Valley is a Ponzi scheme, Yep. right? Is that... These companies aren't making, like Google's already been done, Facebook's already been done, but there's so many of these little startup companies that are just incessantly funded. And one of the reasons is cheap money. I mean, you know, the financial um, paradigm that we're in where, you know, interest rates are at zero Mm -hmm. and we have quantitative easing means that more money gets printed and it's going to the same. Yeah, it goes to the people that already had the money and they're investing in shit that doesn't even return any. I mean, it's a disaster. Just to shelve it, just to shelve it, just to, just to own it. So like, so if I put it in simple terms, like how many how many MAGA people are really happy that, you know, their dollar that is used to abstract their value of their work is just being printed and given to these assholes in Silicon Valley so they can live this, you know, mm-hmm. high-end life because 
the politicians have determined that if those people lose money, that it'll be too threatening to the overall economy. Correct. Let's have a look. Why? I mean, how, how does that make sense in the broader scheme of, of the oh, economy? God, because it's God not news people are dense. Fail. Listen you, to this. But are, are you suggesting, you keep saying propping up zombie companies. Are, are, you, are you arguing to let airlines, for example, fail? Yes. Why? I mean, <laughs> what a great capitalist this fucking host is, huh? <laughs> Why? That makes no sense. They didn't How deserve does that make- it. <laughs> it's like I've I've attempted to read Wealth of Nations. I reckon I got about three quarters of the way through. It's a fucking big book, right? It's a big book, and it's very intense. It's a very intense read, and for somebody who's not mathematically minded, like it's very hard to get through. Um, but it, it is worth an effort. Uh, I will put this out there, especially if you're a news reader on fucking CNBC. You should try to get a little <laughs> bit of the grounding in capitalism, you know, like just try to understand a little bit. It makes sense in the broader scheme of, of the economy. Because it's not, because when you look at what it means, this is why I'm saying like, this is a lie that's been purported by Wall Street. When a company fails, it does not fire their employees. It goes through a packaged bankruptcy. Nice. Right. If anything, what happens is the people who have the pensions inside those companies, the employees Lose of these them. companies end up owning more of the company. The people that get wiped out are the speculators that own the unsecured tranches of debt or the folks that own the equity. And by the way, those are the rules of the game. That's right, because these are the people that purport to be the most sophisticated investors in the world. They deserve to get wiped out. But yep. the employees don't get wiped out. The pensions don't typically get wiped out. Why does anybody, de- I just don't understand, why does anybody deserve using... I've got to disagree there. I have to disagree because objectively that's untrue. Maybe maybe the American system is different, but what happens here in this country is when a company um, declares bankruptcy, uh, you'll get a fraction. So if you have a pension or something, or if you've got a big payout or whatever, they'll negotiate a deal and they, they will owe you like one cent in the dollar. Right, that was owing to the people who owe, were owed money in the bankruptcy uh, arrangement. Uh, well, you're more protected in the United States in in the regard to pension, but I think if you just like what we were talking about the stock price before, let so let's say you invested in American Airlines. Yep. Let's say you have now gotten a paycheck. You got a thousand dollars. You don't know what to do with it, right? Mm-hmm. And you want to invest in it. Well, the 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 central bank has printed money to make american airlines whole again so that they didn't lose money which yep. makes their stock value go up but they don't actually have the generated business to, to there's nothing to represent that, that increase in value yeah right so if you've got a thousand dollars and you can't get anything for it in the bank but point oh 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 one percent right and mm-hmm. you can't invest in american airlines because it's already been blown out of proportion like these are the people who are getting screwed and so what do you do with somebody like that and what do you do with somebody like that over 30 years mm. Mm. Right? yeah yeah, I know. I'm with you. I get it. And- so, so I think what what he, what Chamath is saying is that if the, you know if they go bankrupt or whatever, the stock value is going to drop, and then you can rebuy, and then you have an opportunity to buy into American Airlines or whoever at some realistic price that they can justify at some point. Right. Yeah. Because it, it, you'll get an actual value. Ring the bell the and get your yeah. cheese, man. Right, you'll have a market price, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole right. idea of the market. Exactly. Your word to get wiped out from a, a, a crisis created like, like this. How, how does anybody deserve to get wiped don't. out? How, well, does, but, how does anybody deserve to get what? Isn't this CNBC? Isn't this the capitalism channel? 
Isn't it some? Well, it's is, the investor. It's the investor channel. Yeah, but, so investors are insulated from capitalism at this point. We, true. Again, this is like this is the whole idea of this is what makes me crazy, right? Is that deserve, they call, but the word, he used the word deserve. Like I'm sorry, I thought the whole point of the market was it's not fair and it's not about feelings. It's not about what you're owed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's un, it's unfair that uh, you know these investors, um, you know, didn't make made a bad investment. investment. <laughs> yeah, it's not fair. It's not right. Jesus. But but just be clear. Like, who are we talking about? We're talking about a hedge fund that serves a bunch of billionaire family offices. Oh, who nice. cares? Who cares? Yeah. Let them get wiped out. Who cares? They don't get to summer in the Hamptons. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, there are people. You, you don't think the employees? Table, hold on, Scott. You don't think the employees of these companies table. own stocks? I mean, own their stocks? What? Own the company's stocks? The employees' argument. You can you can look on Bloomberg and you can see what percentage of these companies are typically owned by. These these things are owned by BlackRock. These things are owned by these huge, you know, amorphous organizations. Ultimately, downstream, and the employee owns a few hundred dollars or a few thousand thousand dollars of shares. Well, I just don't understand. So this this is like is, a, a, the, a like the a natural host, The host can't handle it. He's he's legitimately upset at the reality of who owns a company, right? But think of who is who's his audience, right? Well, yeah, his audience is a bunch of people invested that just want to turn on the TV and see that they're worth more money today than That's they were right. yesterday without it, doing anything. And it wouldn't be the big investors, would it? It would be no. like the mum and pop investors, as right. we refer to them. Disaster! And why does anybody deserve to get wiped out? Wouldn't that be immoral in and of itself? <laughs> no, because what's happening right now is what I'll tell you is. I, di I didn't know capitalism had to be moral all of a sudden. When did that? When did that happen? Wow, that's that's news to me. On Main Street today, people are getting wiped out, and right now, rich CEOs are not. Boards that had horrible governance are not. Hedge funds are not. People are. Yep. Six million people just this week alone, basically saying, "Holy mackerel! I don't know how I'm going to make pay you know my own expenses for the next few weeks, days, months." So. It's happening today to individual Americans. And what we've done is disproportionately prop up and protect, you know, poor performing CEOs, companies and boards. And you have to wash these people out. Can't argue. Can't argue with that, Sam. Can't argue. No, nope. can't argue with that. But unfortunately, I'm sure that guy's the least popular guy in a in a room of investors, right? I mean, oh, of course. Of he's course. saying the quiet part out loud. Of course. All right. One more thing before I let you go. <clears throat> you sent this through the NFL. You're a big football guy. Uh, yeah, the this Reds makes me happy. The, <laughs> the NFL plans to play black national anthem before week one games. Do you like the idea of having uh, two parallel national anthems now all of a sudden? I mean, it has to be that way, right? I mean, that's the way to have unity. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Just to take each demographic and give them their own view on what the country should be. Interesting. Uh, is this I a mean, John this Legend is the, this song? Is, or? This is the, this is the most disgusting thing. I mean, I, like, right. are the should white we, players going to kneel? Should we, should we hear a couple of bars? Should we hear a couple of bars? Yeah, I haven't heard it yet, actually. Okay, okay. let's have a listen. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. I mean, it does sound like an anthem. Yeah. I'll give him that. It sounds like an anthem. Uh, Arnold Nicotina just donated a diamond. The boogie has progressed to my brain. IQ rising. Well, there you go. Hopefully it doesn't rise too far, though.
because then eventually this you'll sounds- become a sociopath. So just to let you know. <laughs> Lift Every Voice and Sing, traditionally known as the Black National Anthem, is expected to be performed live or played before every week one NFL game. And the league is considering a, a variety of other measures during the upcoming season to recognize the victims of police brutality, Sam. A source familiar with the league's discussions told the undefeated on Thursday. The song would be performed before Star Spangled Banner. The source said the NFL season opener is scheduled for September 10 with the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Houston Texans. Uh, having recently displayed increased awareness about the problems of systemic racism, oh, and this is where the copy-paste stuff just starts flying into articles, in collaboration with the NFL Players Association, is also considering listing the names of victims on uniforms through decals on helmets or patches on jersey. <laughs> wow, this is this is an overcorrection. I didn't, I didn't see that part. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is an overcorrection for the fucking ages, this one. The NFL also may produce educational programs about victims. (laughs) So what? Well, we've got NFL fucking university now. (laughs) But the irony is if you want to get a scholarship to NFL university, it doesn't matter how good you are at football. It matters how good you are at racism. Right. Right. Even though I think 80% of the NFL is black. Yeah. Yeah. Right. How oppressive. Uh, early last month, well, isn't the most white team? Didn't the Patriots get in trouble because they had more white players than everybody else? Uh, I think they <laughs> called them the whitest team, which meant that like thirty percent of their players were yeah, white. Or yeah. something. there was an increased minority of the majority in the Patriots lineup. Early last month, Commissioner Roger Go- Roger Goodall hasn't he fucking hasn't he shifted gears? Huh? In a video, admitted that the league had erred on how it handled peaceful NFL player protests of police brutality and systemic oppression. This is where, like, this is, I have to explain this again. Um, In my opinion, right, the whole Colin Kaepernick thing, to me, that's not a protest, right? Because he still played, he still got paid, he still went out on the field. What he, kneeling during an anthem is not a protest. It's an artistic performance. If he wanted to protest, he would quit the job, right? Tear up the fucking contract, take off the shirt, go down and stand in front of the police headquarters and and protest like that's a protest right you're not if you're not risking it he's become far more wealthy after this protest quote unquote oh absolutely and so can, can th- we just for say me, that's, this guy doesn't vote well that's what i'm you saying know that he doesn't vote it's an artistic performance right kneeling right. during an, it's an it's not a protest if you're there like if i protest my workplace sam do i still go into work uh get paid but like what, during the morning meeting, I turn my back or something? And it's like, oh, he's protesting the workplace. No, I'm not. I'm doing an artistic performance to get people on you board. Know, I'll, ta- I'll, I'll take it a step further is that if, if, if you actually have a rational conversation and you're not part of this and, you know, people within your white collar organization know mm-hmm. that about you, you're going to be just as ostracized as he was. Yeah. And I mean, I, I can't take Kaepernick seriously. Like, just to give my football angle on this, like, I think he sucks as a quarterback. He wasn't very good to begin sucked. with. Yeah, he was they, not very they good. Were say, they were saying a year after he couldn't get a contract, I was legit saying, well, hang on, like, I'm not a big football guy, but I'm reading, like, all the stats and stuff. He's not a fucking all-star. Like, he's an average second-string quarterback. So, he was but, a starter in 2015, and he, he lost his job halfway through the season. Yeah, because someone and better came along. Season, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, and the following season, you know, he is when he made this big, you know, whoop to do with his socks that had pigs on it. And that's right. 
protesting, but this guy doesn't fucking vote, right? So, you know, how how am I supposed to take seriously this guy who gets a contract from Nike for his political positions, which was true, that happened, right? Right. And then at the same time, like puts none of his money um, into actually getting himself into a polling booth to vote. And hmm. when I see like the police stuff that's going on in these other cities, the, the first thing I thought of, I remember when they had the um, the protests, it was like five or six years ago in Ferguson, Missouri. And um, like none of the people in that city actually voted, right? And it's like, yep. well, you can actually vote for your local police force if you show up. And it's the same thing with him. And I, to me, it's like, this is where it's all performance art. You're not actually trying to change anything. You know, they're going to tear down the statues. They're going to they're going to bomb uh, Mount Rushmore. <laughs> they're they're going to change the name of the Redskins. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, a black single mother working three jobs is going to have it every bit as hard as she did before and worse. Exactly. Nothing is effectively going to change. Um, we've been going a little bit over time. I just want to play something because uh, we were talking about intellectuals before. And I hope this is the right clip. I hope I can find the right clip because I haven't been able to pre-listen to it. So let's have a look here. Uh, do you know Thomas Saul? The Economist? Okay. Okay. Uh, Thomas Saul, uh, former Marxist. Um, now he's like a student of Milton Friedman, uh, African-American guy, grew up in New York, has the, has the tendency to give people like unfortunate statistics saying things like, um, like black people were far better off 50 years ago than they are now economically, uh, you know, shit like that. So let's have a quick listen to Thomas Saul. What is the liberal premise? I guess uh, uh, the Rousseau notion, you know, that man is born free but is everywhere and changed, that the real problem of the world is that the institutions are wrong. If the institutions were right, then man, there there is nothing in human nature that would cause us to be unhappy. It's the fact that we have the wrong institutions. What is the conservative premise? That uh, man is flawed from uh, from day one and that uh, there are no solutions, there are only trade-offs. And whatever you do to deal with one of man's flaws, it creates another problem. But that you try to get the best trade-off you can get, and that's all you can hope for. Uh, I've often said uh, there, there are three questions that I think would destroy most of the arguments on the left. And the first is, uh, compared to what? The second is, at what cost? And the third is, what hard evidence do you have? Uh, there are very few ideas on the left that can pass all three of those kinds of things. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think he's kind of right. I mean, I, I'd have to listen to more of what he's trying to say. But, yeah. Um... Well, he's done a <clears throat> he's written a hell of a lot of books. Uh, one is called The Vision of the Anointed, and that's the actual quote that I was looking for, where he's talking about um, when people get these, uh, you know, professorships in college and stuff, and it's all about you know following what they say and they don't actually do, and they leave at behest of they think they're untouchable and stuff like that, which would really would have tied in nicely. Uh, to our conversation, but I couldn't find it without pre-listening to like ten clips. So. <laughs> yeah, have you? So have you read uh, Jonathan hates the righteous mind? No, I haven't. No. You know that's a, that's a really interesting one because he talks about you know one of the things he talks about is how you know kind of what I was talking about earlier where you know these intellectuals actually believe that because they're intellectual and able to break this down that they have these superior moral roots and that those are gonna yep. come out and it, and it's just the opposite right like so in my opinion like you need more regular people in government so that you can actually have that brought to the surface and if you don't if we just have this situation where we had this like strange cast of nobility that we've created that that don't really do anything then you know it doesn't spell a good future no and just to tie this all in like we're, you know republicans and democrats are fighting each other like crazy i don't think they should be i think the we're in this weird part of history where 
everything we do is being recorded, right? Like 50 yep. years ago, people would go crazy if somebody looked at a library card to see they read a book. Yeah. Now everybody knows everything about you. And I just, I can't imagine if like Alexander Graham Bell created the telephone and part of the, the method was going to be, he could listen to all your phone calls to decide what he's going to market to you. you right. Know? Yeah. Um, and, and Palantir, we have that. for example, uh, Google, like, you know, and like uh, who's right. Peter Thiel, right? The guy who runs Palantir. Uh, I've oh, had, yeah, Peter I've Thiel. Had, I've had a trim. You wouldn't believe the amount of pushback I get from MAGA people who think uh, P Peter Thiel is just the gay Republican who likes Trump. And I'm like, no, no, no. Right. He's so much more than that. <laughs> he's, oh, yeah. He's actually the guy who wants to destroy privacy on the internet. Like, you, you yeah. need to get your head I mean, he runs it. a digital mercenary, right? Exactly. And that's what Palantir is. Yep. And I mean, this is like, you know, and we let these companies have all this information because we say, oh, well, they're private. They're not the government. So that's okay. Mm. And, it, you know, we run into the same thing when you see these grocery stores where people are ripping their masks off and they're saying it's my constitutional right. And unfortunately, in a business, it's not. But me as a liberal, I think that your democratic say should have some, you know, when a business gets that big, I think your vote has to matter in what, what's happening with it, right? Absolutely. Like you don't just detach entirely. Yeah, 100%. And so, and, and so we've got two major things bearing down on us. We've got China, which we created, yep. right? We, we created these people. And at the same time, we have mass surveillance on a scale that nobody could have even imagined. Correct. And we're not talking about either of those things. We're fighting each other based on race and shit. And Statues. So I, me as a liberal, I'm just trying to change the conversation. And I think you've seen me on Twitter. I fight with the liberals more than I do with the conservatives because, yep. you know, the train has gotten out of hand. But um I, I I did find I, I agree with you 100% and I think you get a raw deal from people who probably uh, either lack the um, lack the ability to handle some kind of uh, conflicting viewpoint or difficult question or just because you don't just because you say you're not on their team that means they need, instantly need to hate you and uh, that's on that's their shame as far as I'm concerned because as you can yeah, tell I mean it We've, will this discussion has have have we at any stage like you know like I I don't see any controversy here you know what I mean <laughs> no there's not but I mean it's just this is all the stuff that's under the surface I mean we could have talked about you know stuff that people are clashing on all day long I could mm -hmm. get out get outraged over uh, a statue or something like that but yep. in my opinion that's just all crap exactly <laughs> exactly I remember once in a chat um you were arguing with somebody who accused you of being pro Antifa. And you said, dude, if that ever comes around to my suburb, I'll put that shit down myself. You exactly. Know? <laughs> I'm not going to tolerate that shit. Like, yeah. Um, I did find the Thomas Saul bit I was I was thinking of. So have a quick listen to this and tell me what you think. Uh, going back to our conversation about the professors in universities and whatnot, I think this is great. You'll love you'll love Thomas Saul if you get into him. He was a Marxist, um, Sam. And then he studied directly under Milton Friedman, who, as you know, is like the radical libertarian economist. Yeah, that's a hell of a switch. Right, yeah. And he said <laughs> it took him years, actually. Like, So he studied under Milton Friedman, and he was still a Marxist. And it wasn't until later on where he decided, uh, like, he came around to different things. You can find uh, videos of Thomas Saul back in the early 1980s arguing with liberals back then about um, racism and stuff and saying, like, it's not what you're saying it is, arguing with white women <laughs> liberals on television, saying it's not what you, what you say it is. So have a listen to oh, this. Yeah. Tom, we'll begin with a quotation. Then-candidate Barack Obama in July 2008, quote, it's like these guys, Republicans, take pride in being ignorant. They should go talk to some experts and actually make a difference, close quote. 
<laughs> well, talking to experts does make a difference. Uh, many of the great disasters of our time have been uh, committed by uh, experts. <laughs> you may remember uh, FDR's brain trust, uh, which, according to later studies, uh, prolonged the depression by several years. Uh, the uh, whiz kids in the Pentagon under McNamara, oh, yeah. who managed to mess up the, the Vietnam War. Yep. Uh, you can run through an impressive list of things, of disasters brought about by people with very high IQs. All right. <laughs> Segment one, the species of the intellectual. When you refer to intellectuals in intellectuals in society, whom do you mean? I mean people whose end products are ideas. Uh, there are other people, people with great uh, intelligence whose end products are things like the soft vaccine, uh, there are a research scientist is not necessarily an intellectual. That's right. He, he, an engineer isn't necessarily right. an intellectual. That's right. Because the engineer is, is judged by uh, the end product, uh, which is not simply ideas. If he builds a building that collapses, it doesn't matter how brilliant his idea was, uh, he's ruined. Uh, conversely, if an intellectual who's brilliant has an, has an idea to, for rearranging society, and that ends in disaster, he pays no price at all. I see. Let me quote a intellectuals in society, quote, the fatal misstep of intellectuals is assuming that superior ability within a particular realm can be generalized to superior wisdom or morality overall. Chess grandmasters, musical prodigies, and others who are as remarkable within their respective specialties as intellectuals within theirs seldom make that mistake. Well, that was back then. <laughs> back then that's kind of changed now, though, somewhat, hasn't it? Uh, if you sell a yeah. million records now, now you know how to fucking run the world, unfortunately. Explain that. Why would it? Well, let's take an example. Noam Chomsky, Noam whom Chomsky. you write about. It. I don't hate Noam Chomsky. I disagree with some of his, um, I disagree with what he deems as like the causation of a lot of society's problems. But um, I don't disagree with like when we observe the reality. Um, you can find clips of Noam Chomsky back in the 70s talking about uh, the flaws of the education system. And basically, like, the smart kids are just the ones that wrote what their professors wanted to read, and the dumb kids are the ones who were too smart for their professor. Like, if you right. know what I mean, right? So he's oh, like, yeah. it's a shitty system, and you just got to say what you have to say and then get out and then do your own thing. So Noam Chomsky isn't a, a dumb guy. He's, like, he's a lefty guy. But this is the problem that we have now. We get one or two quotes from people, and then all of a sudden they become, oh, the enemy, fuck him, burn him at the stake, ah, which to me is like the the pure manifestation of a dumb fucking society in the first place, right? Well, it's meant to keep people from cooperating with one another, True. right? I mean, it, so that's the thing is you can label a person all bad based on one view they have, right? Right. Like, and we're seeing that with these statues now too. Yeah. I mean, one tweet, one opinion, tweet will get you kicked off Twitter, like uh, the James Gunn thing, right? One tweet, like, well, he had a, a bunch of tweets, but he was making jokes about kids. We need to cancel him. He needs to lose his fucking job. The, the the stepmother of the fucking Atlanta cop lost her job. She didn't even do anything. <laughs> right, it's crazy. I mean, that so that hysteria is actually, that, that part of the left is scary to me. Mm. And by the way, I think it's scary. I think you have like 65 million voters that'll vote Democrat, you know, in any given election. Yep. And by the way, I don't plan on voting for Joe Biden or any anybody for president. For well, yeah, oh, yeah, shit. You bring up Joe Biden. We haven't even touched on Joe yet, have we? Like, okay, so forget this. Um, well, I mean, he's he's been hidden away. So what's to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> well, you did you did send a couple of things through, and I, I you probably have things to do, and I know you've got to be uh, places and stuff. So no, nah, I'm, I'm fine. All right, well, we'll go a little bit over then. 
Uh, so just two things back to back here. I'm, I'm now I'm just going through our DM looking for the fucking Joe stuff that you sent through. We it's got all, sidetracked. The end. We got sidetracked on the stuff we like, which is boring to like 98 percent of the population. <laughs> oh, let's talk about the see, economy. I want to see Joe Biden and Trump like wrestle or have a boxing match or something like that. I think that would just be to watch these two septuagenarians on their last legs it'll be like the last <laughs> minute and a half of rocky one <laughs> well here's here's the first one that you sit through <laughs> let's go this month i outlined a path to reopen our country safely and sustainably okay to so, provide it work is it again once you see it you can't unsee it and he's not alone here his words actually mean nothing in context nothing nothing, nothing. I we we plan to open our country safely and sustainably. What what does that mean? You know he's why? Like, he's, They've workshopped the term sustainable, and so they know people, Democrat voters, like to hear sustainable, and they don't even true. care where it's dropped into a sentence as long as you say sustainable. Well, so he, <laughs> you'd really like this book, The Righteous Mind, because it talks a lot about these key words and how it primes you for right. accepting all the other things that are said after it. Right? Excellent. I, well, I do. I'm, now I'm going to have to fucking look at this. I invite Sam onto the show, and now he's making me read and do homework. This is very unfortunate. Such a fucking liberal. I know, right? <laughs> Why don't you educate yourself, you conservative bigot? Yeah, you- <laughs> Workers, small businesses, schools, state and local governments, the tools, resources, and guidance that they would need. Trump's proposal? Yep. He set a cutoff date for federal funding of testing sites in several states. Okay. And actually went to court to take away health care for 22 million people by trying to get rid of Obamacare. That's not necessarily true, Joe. Oh, He's like it. a human fortune cookie. <laughs> <laughs> he now, just says bullshit, right? He just says stuff. They all just say stuff. It's uh, just like nonsense. You know, the best The best one they had was when they were making fun of uh, Pete Buttigieg and the crap that he would say. I mean, it was just be like <laughs> this long four-line yeah. sentence of just nothing. Yeah, there was a <laughs> website that would formulate Pete, Gutt- uh, Pete Buttigieg fucking... Um, quotes right remember that yeah and you just that guy would be be perfect for a corporate retreat oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah motivational speaker we need to move there's a famous quote here in australia from one of the former labor politicians that was repeated ad nauseum a guy named kevin rudd and people picked up on this when he was talking about moving forward in the economy he said we need detailed programmatic uh programmatic specificity and people, people are like, what the fuck? This is peak oh, yeah. management speak here. He's supposed to be the leader of the country. You can't say things like that and expect people to get on board. But here's, Joe, here's another one that you sent through. One of two things. This president is... Um, talks about cognitive... <laughs> wait, wait, did he just... Did he... <laughs> Gypsy with the diamond. Thank you for the diamond, Gypsy. Fair did you steal the diamond, Gypsy? Uh, she says Sam needs to be on more often. Maybe we'll make it like a semi-regular thing, Sam. I don't know if you're on board. Yeah, yeah we'll bring up. you on semi off Semi semi-reg for Sam. Have a listen again to this. This is uh, Joe Biden. <laughs> I think he just like zoned out for a minute there. Hang on. One of two things. This president is um. Um. <laughs> he talks about cognitive capability. He doesn't seem to be cognitively aware. Of what's going on? Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was pretty cutting. That's special. Very wow. sharp, sharp criticism. <laughs> yeah, he he has the intellect of a bowling ball at yeah, this point. This guy is agile. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we need. Well, just before we let you go, 
Uh, broadly speaking, and we will get you back on again because I've enjoyed it. I don't care if people hate you or not. I like you. Um, so, yeah, have fun. Yeah, good. So um, the election where you see it right now, who's in front, who's not, and why? So in me, this is so. I've been saying, and I think I said it to you for a long time. I thought Trump was on path for re-election. Yep. Like it just, and Biden to me is just not. You know, and the Democrats. Funny, Mark Blythe touched on this. The Democrats have a little bit of a turnout problem, right? If it's mm-hmm. Bernie, then he would have had a nice crowd, but the Biden voters wouldn't go for him, and vice versa. But Correct. In my opinion, um, this is all about the seniors, and so you know, I generally don't think the polling is good or worth looking at, but. Mm-hmm. You know, my anecdotal evidence of the people I know who are Republican um, in my family that are older, right? Saying like over, over 65. They've, I've definitely watched them turn against Trump, and it's 100% related to coronavirus and their specific risk, right? right. So, like, for you and me, no big whoop, right? But for mm-hmm. them, if they feel like they have a 5% chance of death or permanent injury, it, mm. it changes everything. And so, I think just because of the virus, I would say that uh, Joe Biden's just going to hide. They're not going to have him say anything. Yep. And I, I think Trump will probably lose this time around unless wow. something changes really quick. It could be that. I, I, I agree with the sentiment in that, like, conservatives in the Western world can't really afford to lose the gray vote. They call it the gray vote. Um, right. But I do tend to think that by the time we get to November, um, you know, people, they, Trump has already started with the tax, 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 tax stuff, right? And they're going to say they're coming after your retirement fund. They're going to make life more expensive. That will become like the usual Republican um, campaigning, right? Will kick into gear. And I just wonder how many people right now who are angry about Trump about fucking face masks, by the time we get to November, will be thinking strictly in terms of, well, hey, I need the economy to be doing well. I need the share market to be doing well because I need my, uh, my retirement money, right? You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah, but those things are related too, right? Sure. And so right now, we, you know, we bail out investors. So in in some ways, he's actually um, he's actually hurting himself in that regard, right? Because their investments are protected whether people have jobs or not right mm. now. <laughs> yeah, like, sure. But I mean, so, you know, but like by the by the time November rolls around, though, um, if the economy is still like in the toilet like it is now, then I I think he's probably uh, going to be under a lot of pressure anyway. Um, but I just wonder how much are willing, how much are people willing to go through? I wonder how many like older people, Sam, will be willing to lock down the economy if they're not getting the payoff dividends from their shares uh, in you know three months from now. You know what I mean? Like there's everyone has oh, yeah. a limit, everyone has a pushing point. So I just wonder, but I, I do agree. You with wonder the if they'll go vote even? I mean, are they, they well, going to go out to the polls? <laughs> well, and from my perspective, <laughs> let me just say this: from my perspective, like I, I don't want Joe Biden. So I like. Bernie, not because I agree with Bernie's just to um, upturn the fucking system. policies. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Just to like throw the table over. Yeah. So he is a socialist, but he was never going to have a socialist government. Like, he was never going to have cooperation in the Senate or well, the they House. Won't let him, I was never no. saying, you know, I was never afraid like, oh, this guy's going to turn us into Marxist. Matter of fact, it had burned down the Democrat too. Party, if nothing else. Right. But uh, exactly. And that that's the thing is this is like you see it on the Republican side, too. These are like networks of people. Yep. Right. They're, it's not even about a candidate like Biden is the same thing as Obama is the same thing as Clinton is the same thing as buddy gig. They're part of a network. And yep. so they're going to appoint all their network buddies. And as much as Trump ranted on about the deep state, I mean, he also chose uh, what's his face there. That psycho uh, John Bolton. Yeah. To be his, yeah. Um, you know, national security advisor. So to me, I was like, well, these are the <laughs> same fucking people as always. I got right? accused. I got accused crap. of I got accused of being a traitor and a deep stater. 
when I criticized Donald Trump for hiring John Bolton, right? And now right. now that John Bolton's written a book and everyone's like, oh, what a piece of shit Joel, uh, John Bolton is because Donald Trump said so. Now they're all like, ha, 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 look at John Bolton. I'm like, hang on, you are the same fucking guys who criticized me when he hired the guy. Like, do I get oh, some yeah. fucking, oh, Boogie was right? No, of course not. Donald Trump was right until he's not, and then he's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And I mean, listen, I get the, I understand why people voted for Trump. I get like why people trust him in a way because he sounds totally different than anything, you know, I've ever heard as president. Yep. And he, you know, he's funny and he's entertaining. And I, I, you know, he is. So, in my opinion, the press is just breaking down. I mean, we can make fun of the press all day because at the end of the day, there is no business model for them yep. other than to just basically Fun. get on their knees for their customers, which yep. is what they do, right? Yep. So, CNN is, is we're going to tell the liberals all this bullshit about themselves all day long. That's going to be our news. We'll do it behind a desk. There'll be graphics. It'll look just like the news, right? And then on the right, you see the same thing happening, but nobody's talking. There's no... Like when you hear that the press is liberal, they're not talking about like progressive tax rates or anything, right? No. They're talking about like, you know, genuflecting to Black Lives Matter or, yeah. you know, this kind of crap. So yeah. I don't necessarily think they're economically liberal at all. Right. Uh, well, their business model doesn't allow it. <laughs> it doesn't allow it. I mean, and that's why. And so, and so Trump, you know, Trump's greatest talent was that, you know, he is the news, right? Like he, he got the yeah. cameras. He was like a guy with a laser pointer and the press was like a cat he takes them by the neck and drags them where he wants them yeah and they love it by the way because he is a content creator right i mean that yep. guy like if joe biden is there they're gonna have nothing to talk about except you know when he drools all over himself well the only thing you can make content on in regards to joe biden is his gaffes and the way he speaks and how ridiculous it is but they're not going to do that because they want him to win so like oh, no, they'll do that they'll do that at the end trust me cnn i mean as much as people say oh they're liberal they don't make any money if joe biden wins right i mean they no. like if you're if you're at cnn and you want some profits you need trump to win again sure it, and just to add this last thought in my opinion you know the the uh, electing this same network again which is really the hillary network now under joe biden's name mm -hmm is a disaster so like if you see joe biden like i actually think that the democrats will probably win the presidency and the senate and house right and wow. unfortunately it's the wrong democrats because i think that what they'll face in 2024 is a more competent version of trump's you know nationalist populism <laughs> yeah i've long said um for the people who think trump is a racist and a bigot and a xenophobe and an idiot now you should be thankful that he won now instead of 10 years from now like, like now you have a chance actually to like redress and reset and get back to the things you're supposed to care about, which is like working class people, uh, economic progression and all of those kinds of staples that you used to care about, like say in the 1950s. Um, now is a chance for you to assess yourself as a competitor to the other side and say, wow, we should really do better here. But of course, they didn't take the fucking advice. Uh, not at all. <laughs> no, they went the all. other direction entirely. <laughs> yeah. And it's I mean, going to make I mean, it I so called, much worse now. You've seen me on Twitter. I get called a racist all day long. Yeah, and right? a sexist. Yeah. <laughs> well, and a sexist and everything else. I mean, it's just like, you know, if you disagree with them, then there's something morally defunct about you. That That's their... And the, the core of that belief is that their, you know, that their morality is supreme, right? Mm -hmm. that you, have to, you have to be narcissistic to believe that in the first place. Correct. 100%. The vision of the anointed. Sam, where can people find you if they want to find you? Where can they find you? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess you could find me on Twitter, yelling um, at somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yelling at somebody or getting yeah. yelled at. Or getting yelled yeah, at. Yeah, getting yelled at, yeah, more well, frequently. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on here, man. Like, 
Yeah, thank it's been you, fun. thank you so much. And we will get you on again soon. Uh, probably like in the lead up to the election when the campaigning starts up like again maybe maybe it will maybe it won't i don't know but we'll organize sometime in the future to get uh lucifer sam back on the show uh thank you so much for joining us brother it's been an absolute pleasure sounds great me too thank you so much there he goes ladies and gentlemen lucifer sam and that brings us to the end of this highly a very extended program here tonight thank you so much for joining us ladies and gentlemen boys and girls like i said um, hopefully a few of the people who think that they hate Lucifer Sam will listen to this and realize, well, actually it's not really what I thought. So, but anyway, I'll leave that in the, uh, audience's capable hands. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to everybody who contributed tonight on D live. Thank you to everyone who subscribe and follow during the show. Uh, I'll be back on Monday night, 6 PM with another edition of the daily boogie. Don't forget to follow our friends at real person PLT, uh, PLTCS, uh, follow Lucifer Sam. Why censored Kimmy? Don't forget later on tonight at midnight, ladies and gentlemen, after Nightwave Radio at 10, you've got Joy of Pessy at midnight. Um, and then a big empty at 10 o'clock on Saturday night. Joy of Pessy again on Saturday night for your happy birthday America weekend celebrations. Thank you to everyone for joining us tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you'd like to become a full-time supporter of the show, then please, by all means, head to patreon.com slash boogiebumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to complain about our guest tonight, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Until next time, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.